All right. You want your first and last name out here? Yeah, that's fine. In any like plug? So I don't want this to be like a radio thing, not plug, 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 plug conversation. Hey, yeah. I'm here with Chris. Um, he did something really cool. And they were just, let's just have a conversation. Let's just talk. And then the more stuff that we can naturally get out mm-hmm. about why we're actually here rather than it being um, just, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what it is. Right. This is why we're here. Yeah. I, I wanted to have a conversation. Um, maybe do something like start off with like we're having a natural conversation, which we could just start anytime because it's already recording. Okay. Um, but I kind of want you to judge my horrible <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> do you do that a lot? Like when you're when you're working on somebody, do you judge their work? So I I don't usually say anything to them, but yeah, I mean internally I do, and I'm like, because uh, I'll look at any tattoo, I'm like, man, that could have been so much better, <laughs> or this is how I would have done it, or you know, this is how one of my like depending on the style, because there's some things I don't do, like I don't do portraits. Okay, I just feel if you don't do them all the time, you probably shouldn't. All right, that makes but sense. I'm like, oh man. Johnny would have done this shit so much better, you know. <laughs> but yeah. So like this tattoo right here, this Jesus yeah. tattoo, it looks it's a sketch. Mm-hmm. It's a sketch. I don't know if you can see it on the camera, but it looks like a my dad likes to say it looks like a third grader did it with their toes. And it's it's actually what I wanted. I like it. So but can you tell anything about by looking at this tattoo, can you kind of tell me about the tattoo artist who did this? Like can you tell by the work of what type of person did something like this? I mean, you can see, like, I, I can look at art and I can see, like, you can see chaos in there for sure. They were going through something. Yes. Um, I, I don't know what it But it's, it's a cool tattoo. Like, I love, the thing about tattoos, you know, you could go, you could go spend $20,000 yeah. and have Kat Von D tattoo you. And right. it'll look incredible. Or you can get, your, get your tattoo. 50 bucks. $50 tattoo and you have, you know the story behind it. Yes. You know, but more importantly, like. To quality of tattoos, what that tattoo means to you, right? And that's exactly why we're here. So yeah. we're at we're at Ink One Eighty with Chris Baker, and that's exactly the thing. It's what this tattoo means to me. So yeah. anybody can look at this tattoo and go, "Ew, why would they put that on their body?" Right. Or maybe yours because you're covered in tattoos, right? But it's it's not only that the picture means something to you; it's the experience of getting the tattoo. And getting a tattoo is much like an experience of life. Absolutely. To where it's not the main thing, but there's so much story behind it. So maybe you can go through a divorce. That doesn't define you, but it's the stuff that you go through in that divorce that could possibly define you. And the story behind this one was, I wanted a a neck tattoo that said supporting radical habits. Okay. And luckily this heroin addict said, I don't want to do that to you. You're 18 years old. It's going to look like crap when you're older. Come up with another idea. So I came up with this Jesus tattoo of holding the guitar because... I feel like God brought me closer to metal. Metal brought me closer yeah. to God, vice versa. And in the middle of this, he went and got high on heroin. Mm-hmm. He dozed out. He came back, and one of his other tattoo artists wanted to get paid, and so they fist fought in the middle of my tattoo. No way. And then he came back high on heroin and finished my tattoo, <laughs> and I let it happen because I was afraid of this guy. His name was Tank. <laughs> and, uh, for 50 bucks. He took my 50 bucks, he got high, and then did my tattoo with it. Yeah. And so, luckily, I didn't get supporting radical habits because there's no way that I could spell it or either could he back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. Just spell like Cottonmouth King, just SRH. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know exactly where I was headed with that. I'm so embarrassed. I thought that was going to fly underneath the radar. No, man. (laughs) I I listen to him still. Oh, dude, the Cottonmouth Kings are awesome. (laughs) Um, So, you do something really cool here, and you've done it for a very long time. Back when I was in radio, I learned about you, and what I... What I find so powerful about life is you never know the impact you have on people. So here you are having a major impact. And we'll get in on, into all of that in just a second here. 
but I learned about you, never heard of you before, never met you, and I heard that you do this amazing thing where you help people kind of recover from some of the toughest times in their lives. And all I did was just share your name and your business out there just to show some love and support. Yeah. And what I just found out is you actually heard it. Yeah. And it wasn't like we connected or anything. No, it was a trip. I, I was driving my youngest daughter, Quinn, to school. She's at high school right here in Oswego High School. And we're listening to the show. And all of a sudden, we're, we're sitting there driving. I hear Inc. 180. I kind of look at her. She looks at me. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Like, what a trip, you know? It's like, it was so cool, um, you know, to hear that people are hearing about what we're doing and appreciate it and get into it um, or get inspired by it in any way. But the, the cool thing was the dozens of phone calls I got from people that needed help wow. that day and got them in here, took care of either removed or covered their tattoos right. or whatever. It was super cool. And so, so let's kind of break down what you do and, and how all this got started. So you help people kind of, I want to say recover. Is that the right word? Well, uh, you know, it, it's a part of it for sure. I mean, it's a big boy chair, man. Look at yeah, this. Yeah, that's the Darth Vader chair. Damn, think. dude. Um so what we do in, kind of in a nutshell is we do free tattoo removals or free tattoo cover-ups for people coming out of gang life, going in a different direction, trying to you know move forward with their life. Um, sex trafficking survivors who are branded by their pimps or traffickers, oh. which is like just a whole thing. Um, domestic violence survivors who might have a tattoo from that time period or even a scar from an injury they sustained. Um, or self-harm survivors who have you know scars all over the place that we cover up with tattoos. So if somebody has scars on their arms, mm -hmm. do they come with an idea or do you look at kind of what they have and then you guys come up, come up with a way to cover it up together? It's kind of a little bit of both, right? Sometimes they come in with no idea. Yeah. And I've had people, I've had sex trafficking survivors, for example, come in here and they have their pimp's name on their arm. And I ask them, well, what do you want to do to cover it? They're like, just black it out. I just don't want to see it. Wow. I'm like, well, I want to give you something beautiful that symbolizes transformation, change, yeah. growth, you know. Um, and then we just kind of brainstorm a little bit, come up with an idea, and we'll sit here, I'll cover the tattoo, and the whole time I'm doing it, they're looking the opposite direction because they don't want to see it till it's done. Right. And man, their reaction when they when mm -hmm. we finish, we wipe it all down. <laughs> they look and they're not looking at that pimp's name that yeah. beat the hell out of them and forced them to do what they were doing. It's powerful. So it's with sex trafficking. That's how they make their mark. Is they yeah. the pimp put their name on their victims. We see a lot of different types of tattoos. So we certainly see more than anything. We see pimps' names, uh, property of so and so kind property of property. What is oh, it? Yeah. Gym T-shirt? Dude, it's ridiculous. Okay, man. so what are some of the pimp names though? I've never met oh, a pimp. They're usually like regular names. It's not like, like you know, Jeff? Sugar Bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Gail. Yeah, no. <laughs> we've seen, you know, in 11 years of doing this, we've seen so much just with the sex trafficking stuff, right? Yeah. So many different stories. We've heard so many different stories from these, you know, women and men who are trafficked. Um, and it, that's what makes it such a hard issue to tackle because there's so many different instances. It's hard to, you can't just target one segment of the community. It's all over the place. Yeah. And call me naive. And I feel like there's a, a big audience out there that, feels like I do where it almost seems like sex trafficking doesn't happen in our backyard. Oh, yeah. It doesn't happen here. Yeah. So when you said that, I was like, wow, isn't that rare to happen here? But the more I'm learning about it is it's happening in our backyard every single day and it's happening. It's pretty common. Every day. Yeah. In fact, we just had a huge bust up in St. Charles, like right up the road from here. They're, I think they arrested like 12 people. What? Yeah. They set up a brothel and underground thing. And this, 
you know, when I was the same way, you know, when we started the nonprofit, it was solely to help people coming out of gang life. Yeah. I gave an update at church one day and a guy from Homeland Security happened to be there, invited me to come speak to their gang unit. And then he brought their sex trafficking team in to listen in. I had no idea. I was like, oh, that's an over there problem. Yeah. Not that that makes it any less horrible. No, but we've all seen the movie Taken. Yeah. That's what we assume. Right. Stuff happens over there in right. Paris. Yeah, and it does. Yeah. You know, Southeast right. Asia, Europe. But then when you find out this is happening here in my backyard, like it it triggers you to do something. Yeah. You know? Is that what triggered you to start this nonprofit and to do this? Like what how does a guy like you who's built like you, like you look no offense, man, yeah. you look like you can kill me with your fingers. <laughs> Like just hits me like a fly. And you, right. You're very kind. Like you wouldn't hurt anybody. But how right. does somebody like you, who looks like you've been through a lot, mm. and again, I'm judging a book by the cover, but that's what we do as human beings. Is, yeah. is I can tell by looking at you that you've been through something. You've experienced a lot in your life. So what brought you from, you know, going through all the things that you've been through to now doing this nonprofit, and helping people, kind of begin a new life? I tell people my story all the time. I'll give you the abbreviated version because we could be here all day with that one, but. I attempted to kill myself. I put a nine millimeter Glock up to the side of my head, pulled the trigger, and it clicked. Oh. And for people that know about guns, Glocks don't jam. Yeah. And my wife came to me that night. She didn't know any of what happened. And she said, Chris, I'm worried. I think that we need to go talk to someone for you. You need some, some help. And the fact that she said it like that saved my life. And how old were you at this point? So this is, gosh, I was... Was I 37? 37 years old. And where were you located? I was here in Oswego. Okay. Yeah. And, and where are you originally from? South Central LA. Okay. So so <laughs> the, 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 the issues that you were dealing with and the depression and anxiety and yeah. all that stuff that you were trying to outgrow mm -hmm. and conquer, all that stuff from your past was now creeping up on you and, and it kind of led you to that situation where you just felt like I needed to end this? Yeah, big time. I mean, um, I lost seven. All my friends were gang members grow, when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, I lost 17 of my friends, including my best friend, Dante, who he um, he pled guilty to some crimes he committed, went and did his time. And when he was locked up, he found faith and got baptized in jail. And right. he got out and we threw a party. But the whole day he was telling us all about his new life and wanted to be done with the gangs. And we all kind of laughed it off. We're like, yeah, whatever. You'll be back to this, you know, right. like next week. Well, you've seen it over the, the course of 15 years with <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And um, so we're having a party at his mom's place. And long story short, um, that night we were out front, about 10 of us, about 11 p.m. getting ready to kind of say our goodbyes and head out. And at uh, 11.47, there was three of us left. And silver Chevy Tahoe came creeping down the street, headlights cut out, passenger side rolled down, 12-gauge oh, out the window. Uh, the three of you guys? Yeah, well, they called out his street name. They were after him. So they knew he just got out. Yeah. They know that he's trying to do better, and now they want yeah. to, to bring him back to their level. Yeah. So what happened? So they called out his street name, shot him dead in the chest, 12-gauge. What? Yeah, buckshot. Right in front of him. Yeah, and there were two of us. I was three feet to his left. My buddy Tony was about four feet to his right. When he got hit, it was like slow motion. You know, We dove towards him to kind of brace his fall, and my hand went around his back and, like, literally into his oh, back oh and he was and he was gone was that was that a moment for you that made you realize i gotta get out of here i yeah. gotta do something different yeah my wife lisa and i we've been talking about leaving la because we have three kids and they were all born out there you just played operation with a real human yeah like and nothing real. buzzed like yeah. you felt his insides yeah you were a puppeteer. i literally felt his last 
heartbeat. Oh my god! And I bled, you know, bled to death. And, See, uh, and I just want to take a moment right now because we all find ourselves at the gas station or at Jewel or wherever, a grocery store, and we're next to a guy like you. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to go, that's a big scary dude, yeah. without thinking that this guy is someone who's been through so much, and you're not a big scary guy, no. and you actually have experienced things that a lot of us have never experienced. And I, you know, I hate to like, feel bad for myself, but I feel like my childhood wasn't the easiest. And sure. sometimes I'm so, like, oh, poor me. And then I hear stories like this, where you had an option, like, you could have been a gang member. Yeah. That could have made... You had two decisions to make at that moment right there where your best friend who died right in your arms, right in front of you, you could either do what your community has taught you to do your whole life, mm -hmm. get revenge, join yeah. the gang, go kill the people who just killed your best friend who was, who was trying to do better in their life. Or you could leave and inspire others to leave and to do better. And it's so crazy. Did, was, it, was it instant? It was. I mean, we had been talking about it. So I, you know, the police came, the coroner came. Finally, they let us leave about 3.30 in the morning. I called my wife, and I was like, hey, I'm coming home, but this is what happened. I don't want you to freak out when you see I was blood. I looked like the, the prom scene in Carrie, oh, you know? gosh. And uh, she meets me at the front door with a trash bag and is like, are you sure you didn't get hit? I'm like, I don't think so. She's oh. like, strip all that off, throw it in the trash bag. It's going on trash anyway. Because it was buckshot, you Yeah, said. she's so checking me out, and I didn't, didn't get hit that time. Um, that time? Yeah, I have buckshot in my, <laughs> my arm. If you feel it, you, you can just feel said it right that there. so. Oh, <laughs> should we take that out? <laughs> Probably. Okay, so, uh, so this wasn't the first time that you've been near getting shot at yeah. or been shot at. Um, numerous times, and that was the thing. You know, when I was going through this depression, anxiety that I had never gotten treated. Yeah, and uh, I was like going through just a wicked case of survivor's guilt like why am i here yes why am i here why do i deserve to be here i'm not better than dante was or any of the other guys like why am i here <laughs> so lisa says let's go together and get help and the fact of the way she put that i was like yeah let's do that so she involved herself and yeah. also getting help it wasn't like it wasn't like you're a mess you're, i'm afraid yeah. of you you're gonna kill yourself or somebody you know i think that's a really important thing to focus on because a lot of times I feel like when I'm told to do something, even though I know I need to do it, yeah. for instance, quit smoking cigarettes. Right. Every time my girlfriend's staff goes, you need to quit smoking cigarettes. There's something inside of me eternally yeah. that wants to give her the finger. It right. makes me want to smoke extra cigarettes. Right. But if Steph smoked and she goes, hey, together we need to quit this, mm -hmm. that's a great approach. Big time. So she threw herself in the ring with you to go get help. 100%. And has, I mean, my, our whole life, you know, with 30 years we've been married this April. But um, that's insane. I tell people all the time that woman has saved my life so many times because she it she's very much about I'm going to walk alongside you in this and I know it's scary and I know it's new and it's it's going to be okay and I'm right here but yeah so what kind of help did you guys go get like what were you going through that you needed yeah. help was it drugs was it no at that time it was really just the, the depression the anxiety and not feeling like I was worth anything and you so, know so you're 36 years old you're from south central la yeah you're a badass mofo that, <laughs> for real though right like street cred to the fullest you've been sure. through it all you've seen it all you're probably not afraid of anything because your life has been threatened numerous times you've literally seen your best friends die right in front of you yeah and i'm guessing therapy probably wasn't a conversation that you and the gangsters had on the, no, on the stoop right not whatsoever i guess you're probably your therapy was probably the 40 ounce and 40 hanging out smoking, kicking it. yeah so how do you yeah. how do you decide to go get help from there? And well, this was the, this was the funniest part of the whole thing because 
Um, we, you know, we did what everybody does. We put it on Facebook. Hey, we're looking for some counselors, like yeah. who has some recommendations. <laughs> and it was funny because the same woman, her name in this place kept coming up every time we would laugh, every time it would come up. Um, her name was Joan Guest and the, the office is called the Samaritan Interfaith Counseling Center. Okay. <laughs> and every time it would come up, I'm like, oh man, I'm not going there and having these people shove God down my throat yeah. and, you know, judge me and. But after like the seventh or eighth person recommended her, I was like, she must be really good because they really went through some stuff and they're doing great. So we'll give it a shot. If we don't like her, we'll find somebody else kind of thing. And we went in there. I'll never forget. It was a Saturday morning in the winter. I'm wearing shorts. I wear shorts all year round. I don't care. Like I'm not covering <laughs> my Jesus tattoos or nothing for anybody, right? <laughs> and uh, we're sitting in the lobby filling out our paperwork and Joan comes walking to the lobby to get us. Now, at the time, she was probably close to 60. She looked exactly like the church lady from Saturday Night Live. Like the oh, tight really? perm, like the long okay. dress, the long <laughs> cuff, right? And I looked at Lisa. I'm like, oh, this woman is going to destroy me. And she didn't. She was amazing. Uh, just a beautiful soul. You know, it's like one of those people that's like sitting down with your favorite aunt that you haven't seen in years and you're yeah. just having coffee, catching up and. It's real peaceful and so the very first time you sat down into therapy yeah you probably felt like you were in the wrong place totally you wanted help bro she had remember those old school cat posters where the cat's like hanging on the brick wall oh, yeah. just hang in there yes. yeah she had all that shit up there oh my gosh i'm like oh man this looks like a trip. elementary school library totally okay totally so you're like man i don't belong here yeah i've been through a lot here now i'm with freaking miss daisy here. right and she was able to connect with you i Big so time. it was it the fact that she like um, show that she cared. Yeah. Was, was that what it was? So she just had to... a peace about her. Right. You know, and that's, I needed that. Like, I needed peace in the midst of my chaos. And it was instant. And instant connection. So we made an appointment for the following Saturday. Really start kind of working on things. And, um, you know, Lisa was right there beside me the whole time. And um, I'm grabbing my hoodie to get ready to leave. <laughs> And she goes, oh, Chris, hang on. I like to offer to pray for my clients before we go. And I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. Yeah, like, this is it. I knew it was too good to be true. Here's you know? a timeshare to heaven. <laughs> so, go ahead and give it to me, lady. So I look at her and I'm like, you know, if you think it's going to help at all, go right ahead. You know, just yeah. real smart ass. Like, I thought I had all the answers and, you know, found out later I didn't. But <laughs> she starts to pray and I encountered God that day and broke down. Man, I was sobbing. I went to church the next day. Six months later, I was on top of a mountain in Haiti helping my church build a school. Now, when you said you felt God, like how did that happen? Was God already in your life at this mm -hmm. moment before you met her? So I grew up, I always joked when, about when I was a kid that I had a drug problem because my mom drug me to Catholic church every Sunday. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> like all, was, all the time I'm looking at my watch, like what time's kickoff? Like, yep. Let's go. And um, so, you know, I, I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus or anything like that. Um, but it was what I needed. And so you just felt it. But when she prayed, and here's the way I describe it all the time is, you know, I'm sitting there like this because you got to fold your hands, yep. bow your head. Like, seen in the movies. Right. This is how my you pray grandma, in movies. Dude, my grandma always used to tell me, if you don't close your eyes during prayer, God doesn't, doesn't pay attention. Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> so I'm sitting there like this <gasps> and Joan's across the room from us praying. And I had this feeling, the only way I can describe the feeling that took place was, like when you take a fleece blanket out of the dryer on a really cold day, and yeah. it's, just, it's warm and soft and yep. it smells good. It felt like somebody draped that over my shoulders, like wow. a cape while I'm sitting there listening to this woman praying. I'm tripping out. 
And I didn't hear a voice or nothing like that, <laughs> but I had this idea kind of coming to my, my mind and then over and over like a slot machine wheel, you know, yeah. and it was just following me and this would be okay. I got you. I've been here the whole time. Bro, I started sobbing. Like they probably had to change the carpet out after we were yeah. done because I was a mess. And that was it. It was the minute like I knew he was real. I knew he wanted to be in my life and I knew that I needed him in that moment. And that sent me on this whole different trajectory. And wow. Yeah. Do you think that that relationship that you started building with God that day when you decided to go get help? So it was like God put you in line to go meet this woman. 100%. God placed all those people in your life that said, hey, this is the woman to go see. You went and saw this woman. You made the decision. At any moment, yeah. you could have backed out. We've all done yeah. it. I almost backed out of this interview. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talk ourselves out of things that we're not good yeah. enough for this, or maybe we don't deserve help. Right. I'm sure you felt oh, that. Oh, man. Or I, I feel like a lot of times you say survivor. I feel um, sometimes it's like success guilt. Yeah. Where I don't even have the success, but I come from a place to where if you have anything that you shouldn't have because no one else has it, you right. kind of feel guilt with it. And then, you know, sometimes family members can make you feel uh, less than because oh, you yeah. have something. And it's like, yo, bro, I make 40 grand a year. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I'm yeah. not rich, man. Yeah. You know, but it's perspective. And so do you think that, like, that was the day that when you felt that, like you said, that fleece blanket over your shoulders, that warmth and that comfort from God, that you now kind of became addicted to that feeling? That that's why you went the next day? And 100%. then six months later, you were in Haiti? 100%. And I tell people like this all the time. Like, you know, I want everyone I come into contact with to know that feeling at yeah. some point in their lives you know, whatever it is, because there's nothing better than that to me. That was the oh, day I, like, I knew God was real. I knew, I knew all of what I believed before was just noise. Yeah. And I just dove into it. Okay. So here you are, you're at therapy. Your mm -hmm. best friend just died in your arms. You and your wife have talked about this for a while. Like we need to escape. We need to get out of this life and start a new life. At that point, what were you doing for a living? I was doing logistics work, which I hated. Okay. The only reason I did it was because I was making stupid money. And at that point in my life before, my kids refer to me as new dad and old dad. Okay. Old dad wasn't a bad guy. Old, old dad just wasn't as present as he should have been. What kept you from being present? Was it the gang life? Was it the hangout with no, the friends? No, it, it was when my parents split. I was 13 and it was a real ugly time. My dad at that time was not a... Sponsor him. <laughs> was not a, yeah, <laughs> please. My dad wasn't a great guy at the time. Um, we've reconciled everything now, but he told me when he left, he, and he didn't just leave and get an apartment across town. He went to England. Oh, to yeah. live in England. Yeah. So we got like no support, no nothing. And that's why we ended up in South Central LA. Do you have to pay child support if you did the country? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. So there's no way out of child support. And technically, <laughs> if I wanted to, I could go after him for it, but yeah. Why? Right. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it was just. One of those deals when he left, he's like, you know, you're probably not going to do anything incredible with your life. Just do the best you can. And I was like, wow, Ooh. challenge accepted. And and my old definition of success and and all that was money. You're right. How much money can I make? What can, what video game can I go get my kid without even thinking about it? Or what car can I get? Or bike or whatever. It was all about stuff. I was trying to fill this huge void in my heart with stuff. Yeah. And man, I'll tell you what. I had years where I'm doing tattooing. I made $150,000, $175,000 a year, mostly cash. Didn't care. Wasn't happy. Yeah. Nothing I bought made me happy. Not my UPS guy. <laughs>
And, uh, you know, it's like now I make about $35,000, $40,000 a year, and I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. Which is crazy because a lot of us are driven by money. Right. I, I, for one, have been driven by money before. And the same thing happened to me yeah. where I found myself work, 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 and I wasn't enjoying the, the like, the results of my hard work, and I wasn't able to spend time with the people that I love. And so what I found was I had such a poor work-life balance that I was excelling at work, but I was having a horrible life at home, which led me to be miserable at work. Yeah. And so you think this thing drives you, and this is why you do things. This is what God wants for me. But that's really not the case. God doesn't Absolutely. want you to be a billionaire so you can feel good and, right. and buy whatever you want. Um, what he wants you to do is be happy and inspire others to be happy. And it does take a little money. Money does help be happy. Money, sure. I talk about this all the time because I have a very poor relationship with money. And it's because I grew up poor, like having to get the can of food that says beef on it, you know? And yeah. so I still have poor man mentality when I go to the grocery store. I'm still always looking at the bottom. I see price before I see product, right. always. And that's something I need to work on. And I realized when I started making a little bit more money, I still had those tendencies. So it didn't change that. What it did change was I wasn't worried about my car payment. And I yeah. wasn't worried about helping family out when they needed help. Um, but I was still miserable. I was still yeah. stuck in myself. And then, then I found myself um, attached to this life where I had to continue doing this life to pay for this nut that I've created, these bills. And I was miserable. Yeah. And so it was, it was good for you to break out of that. And what I find really interesting and inspiring is you have made a lot of money, you made a good living, been able to buy your kids whatever they wanted, buy yourself whatever you wanted. You didn't find happiness in that. Now right. you make a lot less money, but you're spending a lot of your time and a lot of your focus on helping others out. So where did that kind of come in where you go, I'm going to do free tattoos because nothing in life is free. Right. Right. And so do some people, when they contact you to have maybe their gang tattoo covered up or their self-harm um, scars covered up, do they feel like there's something on the other end of this? Because these are a lot of people that have been through a lot where they're like, what's, what do you want out of this? Yeah. yeah I, people ask me all the time, like, what's the catch? Yeah. And I tell them exactly what I was saying. Like, I want you to feel peace and freedom. Like, you want, I want you to be free of that and the repercussions of that tattoo in your head. Because if you have a sex trafficking survivor has property of Big Mike on her arm. Yeah. And, every, you know, you know how it is with tattoos. People are like, oh, what's that? Let yep, me see your tattoo. Tell me about that tattoo. I love having those conversations. A sex trafficking survivor doesn't want to talk about it. Right. It's a trigger. Right. Yeah. Um, or a former gang member who he's been out of that life for 10 years. He's got two kids. He can't go to the pool with his kids and take his shirt off because he doesn't want to get checked. Right. But that's got to be weird for you sometimes because you have to be putting yourself in some awkward situations. Oh, for sure. Like, I'm sure you've covered up tattoos that are hate. And yes, you're helping someone get rid of their past and have a new future. But I mean, maybe it's a swastika. I'm sure you've yeah. seen some oh, white yeah. pride stuff where, you know, are they sharing their story? Are you asking oh, yeah. questions? Yeah, when you're I mean, healing? Being a tattoo artist is kind of like being a bartender or a hairstylist. <laughs> like you're like an amateur therapist. You yeah. Know? And people, when they feel comfortable with you, especially they come into an environment like this, it's real chill and yep. peaceful. Um, they feel like, hey, I can tell this guy my story. And and we do. You know, the thing about Ink 180 is like any tattoo artist could do this, but are you willing enough to allow yourself to just be present for that person? Right. And and let them talk it out. It's like therapy. You go to therapy, you talk. Yeah. Counselor does very little talking. You do all the talking. The more you're talking about like your life and stuff, it almost seems like you became this person that you've always needed. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to be now in Absolutely. life? Absolutely. You're trying to be the person that you always needed your entire life. Yeah. I just, 
I, for a long time, I needed somebody just to hear me out. I'll tell you, this is kind of a cool story, but I have 119 tattoos now, right? I love every single tattoo, so I don't want anybody to read anything into this. I started getting tattoos on my 18th birthday so people would leave me alone. Really? I've always been a big guy, like, yeah. you know, 6'4", big guy. Um, but it was like, at that point in my life, anytime I, I cared about somebody, they either died, went to prison, or split. And I didn't want you to get to know me because I was setting myself up for more pain. Same. Yeah. Right? Yes. So I figured off. Oh, and I loved, I always loved tattoos anyway. But I was like, yeah, if I get all these tattoos, people are going to like look at me and be like, ooh, I'm going like, to cross the street and keep going. Not because I was going to do anything to them. Right. But because I, didn't, I just don't want to let them in. Right. You've been hurt so many times. You didn't even want the opportunity to be hurt. Yeah. You wanted people a mile away to go, I'm not yeah. even going to get close to this guy. And that's what you wanted. You wanted yeah. to keep everybody a mile away. So how long in your life did you go with keeping everybody a mile away before you started letting people in? So I was about 40. So, oh, so you were 18 when you got your first tattoo. Yeah. Now, you said you had over 150 or something? 119, 119 of them now, yeah. What was your first one? It's covered up now, but it was, it was so stupid. It was in here. It was my, my own initials, dude. Like, who gets their <laughs> own initials tattooed? Like, what am I going to forget who I am or what? Yeah. Well, I, I, everyone has a story on their first tattoo. I have this star on my elbow, mm -hmm. and I didn't realize this was a Juggalo tattoo. Yeah. And when I got it done, I was so excited to get a tattoo. My dad always told me that only idiots and losers get tattoos. <laughs> and my dad was an idiot and a loser without tattoos. And so I thought, that can't be true. Right. <laughs> and I saw a buddy yeah. had this tattoo. And I was not original. I did not know who I was. I was 18 right. years old. I drove my car to the tattoo shop, told him what I want. He said, you don't want your first tattoo to be on your elbow. It hurts like a bitch. Yeah, it does. And I said, fuck you. Do it. <laughs> and he did one line. And I go, we're done. Yeah. We're done. And he goes, fuck you, dude. We have to finish this. This is right. my name on this. Yeah. And so this was $100. Okay. I was so excited. 18 years old. I walked home from that tattoo shop. When nice. I got home, because it was like six blocks away from the house. When I got home, the whole family was there. And they're like, Where's your car? Do you go to jail again? I'm like, oh, fuck, I drove. I was so excited and so stoked That's for this tattoo. Fun, and as soon yeah. as I took the little bandage off and showed the family, they were like, eh, nice. what does that mean? And I go, I'm going to be a star. <laughs> and my idea was, is I was going to have my whole arm tattooed yeah. and you would only see the skin of my elbow. Yeah, like that? Yeah, like, exactly like that. When I was 18 years old. Fast forward two weeks later, I get pulled over by the police because I was buying drugs. And yeah. they pull me out of the car. And they see my tattoo, they throw me in the back of the car, they take me to jail to be gang affiliated. Yeah. I am now affiliated with the Juggalos, which at the time, I've always been down with the clown, but I've never yeah. been, you know, a Juggalo. Sure. Um, and I was trying, I was in the back of the cop car. I'll never forget this, trying to explain, like, no, I'm down with the clown, but I don't, so they're not even a gang, guys. They're not. Like, what? I, I'll tell you, what, I work with the FBI a lot on sex trafficking <laughs> stuff, and I give them a hell of a hard time about that. I'm like, you guys need to remove that classification because. Most of the jugglos I've ever met were super chill. Like yeah. Stoners, like having fun, whatever. They're, they're not a gang. Relax. No. When you go to Walmart and you see somebody in Cookie Monster sweatpants at 45 years old, that's a juggalo. Yeah. Is that a gangster? No. No. The worst thing they're doing is shoplifting bologna. Maybe. That's yeah. it. Yeah, right. That's it. Some and, spam. Yeah, give it to them. <laughs> so it's, it's really interesting that <clears throat> your first tattoo was your initials. Yeah. And then that didn't make you look like a badass. Not at all. That didn't change your look Not or at all. anything. Then I did my, my Irish flag and all this stuff and my mom's family name here on my wrist. And it, it was funny because, you know, when I got my first one, my mom threatened to disown me. I'd moved out when I was 16. Yeah. And she called me on my 18th birthday and she's like, oh, happy birthday, son. What are you going to do? You're a man today. 
I'm going to get my first tattoo, Mom. She's like, like hell you are. I'll disown you. I'm like, what are you going to take away? Like, yeah. there wasn't enough ramen noodles in the house, so I split. You know? Oh, no more shrimp packets? Yeah, right? <laughs> so um, I yeah. got one. She got pissed. Got over it. I got another one. It was like a cycle, you know? But the funny thing is, like, all these years later, I've done, like, five or six tattoos for her. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just, she's changed a lot. We, we all changed. Yeah. And, and we're kind of talking about how you've changed. And because of that change that you've made, that you've inspired others to make this change, or you've helped people make the permanent change. Mm -hmm. and, and having a reminder, you know, I was 13 years old. My mom moved from a trailer park to an apartment complex that was heavy populated in Mexicans. And they were all affiliated in some kind of gang. Yeah. And in order to hang out with kids my age, I had to get jumped into a gang. Yeah. And it wasn't an option. They yeah. said, we're going to beat your ass or you could fight back and get jumped in. And again, 13-year-old kid. Um, and then they jumped us in. And then they tattooed the 21 on my arm here yeah. for the 21, uh, 21st Street, 13 years old. And I'll never forget that that summer between middle school and high school changed my entire life. That was a summer that I decided to go into the gang life and just be a bad mofo, get in yeah. lots of legal trouble. And I changed my outfits from wearing just stolen lost and found clothes to like work clothes. So now I was wearing all Dickies, yep. wife beaters and um, Cortez's. And yeah. I had plaid on every single day. And it was my first period of high school. It's when all the middle schools collide. I've always been an introvert a little bit. Sure. So I was nervous, but I was gangster as a mofo. Yeah. Five four, and I'll never forget. I'm standing there. I had a wife beater on, my shirts unbuttoned, had my dickies creased. I was looking clean in a town where it's only white people. Yeah, it didn't make any sense that I was dressed like this because <laughs> I didn't live with my mom. I stayed with my mom in the summers, and then I went to go live in the country with my dad during the year. So now I'm at this country high school dressed like this, and this dude goes to the hottest girl in the class. We're getting introduction introduction to swimming, and he goes, "What the fuck does this guy think?" And I'll never forget grabbing him by his fucking neck in front of the teacher yeah. and in front of the hot-ass girl yeah. and how much attention I got from that hot-ass girl. Because yep. here I was, this quiet guy who didn't look like anybody else, didn't act like anybody else, and then I grabbed this fucker by his throat in yep. front of everybody, told him what I was going to do, and I was dead serious. Next thing, that girl became my girlfriend. Yeah. Like, yeah, but then two weeks later, I changed because I wanted to be like her and yeah. realized that I'm not gangster. Right. I'm, I'm not, I can't be doing this kind of stuff. But I was stuck. I don't know if you were like me, where school clothes were your school clothes. So oh, I was yeah. stuck for a full year yeah. wearing the dickies. Dude, all I wore growing up, because my friends, <laughs> were all, they were all bloods. That's why I wear so much blue now, because I never could when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. right? But they told me straight up, they're like, look, don't wear red. Don't wear blue. You wear khaki, white, and black. You're good. So my whole uniform was khaki, khaki dickies, yes. black chucks, black t-shirt, <laughs> a stark white pro club shirt, you know? So if I was in a little small town, and I got pressured to join a gang and to live that life. How did you stay out of that lifestyle? It's one of the questions I get asked the most. First of all, I knew I wasn't about that life. Okay. I, I was an artist. I was doing stuff like I was doing graffiti murals and stuff on businesses and airbrushing lowriders and stuff like that. They knew I wasn't about that life. And my mom kind of became the block mom. Okay. Because a lot of my friends, like their moms were crack addicts or they were working two or three jobs just to pay the bills. So their moms were barely as present as their dads were never there. Now, when you say like South Central LA, a lot of us have never seen it in person, but yeah. we've seen it in movies. Sure. Is it kind of like the movie Friday? It's a lot less like Friday. It's a lot more like 
colors or boys in the hood. Okay, okay. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just kind of yeah. wanted to paint the picture so I can put myself there. Because mm -hmm. you're telling these amazing stories, but because I've never experienced it, yeah, it's it's really hard for me to kind of put myself there. So, so it's imagine a place that is covered in a bubble of stress. Yeah. At any moment, anything could and oftentimes did happen. You know, were you in a situation where your house had bars in the windows? Oh, my house got shot up. Because like of everything. you or? Because that, so I was tagged by the LAPD as a known associate of the Piru Blood. Which makes sense. Right? Hung out with So them. the cops would come to my house. Whenever anything happened around us, the cops would come to me. Because they knew I knew everything that was going on and who did it. But they also knew I didn't have any right. hand in it. So the cops would come bang on the front door. I would take them out to the curb because when you're in the hood, you know, there's there's eyes and ears all over. Yes. Like around bushes, out windows, everything. Of course. And I would tell the cops, like, look, you can ask me whatever you want, and I'm going to yell my responses back at you. I'm not Smart. getting at you. I'm just, I want all these other ears to hear exactly what I'm saying to you. Yeah. And it was always, hey, I don't know anything. I was asleep or I was out, you know, out of town or whatever. They teach us. I didn't see nothing. Yeah. I didn't see nothing. Yeah, I see nothing. Oh, not, they have, that's you on camera. That's not me. Well, people talk about <laughs> Chicago right now. They're like, why doesn't the community come forward? They know who did that shooting, those nine girls yesterday. They know who did that because they don't want to be the next one. Yes. And, and it's, that's it's not an if they will be yeah. the next one. It's when they will be the next one. Yeah. So, oh, geez, man. So you're, you're living this life. And I mean, it, I'm just blown away that you never like went all in on it yourself. Yeah. You were smart enough and aware enough to still be yourself because it's so hard in life to be yourself. You feel pressured. Like, you know, I did have a chance. I did have a choice. I say a second ago that like I, they were going to jump us or beat our asses. Mm -hmm. I had the option to run. Yeah. I had the option to tell my mom or tell my dad or call the cops or, yep. but I didn't do that because I wanted to fit in. Yeah. So what, what about you never made you go, I'm going to fake the funk and be something I'm not just so I can fit in with these boys. I hear so here was kind of the trade-off with these guys. I started doing tattoos when I was 15 on my mom's front porch with her sewing kit. So I was tattooing all my friends. Wow. And we would talk all the time. Like, man, I don't want any part of that shit. I'm not carrying guns around. <laughs> now, did I hide guns under my bed for friends? Absolutely, yeah. I did. Did I hide drugs for my friends under my bed? Absolutely, I did. <laughs> but they here's the thing that was interesting you know my mom kind of taking that role as like surrogate mom to so many of these guys they respected her so much that they knew they couldn't drag me into it oh that's really cool and they and they still do my mom still talks to the guys that are still around a lot of them you know i i work with them they're doing ministry work in la now or they go into the wow. prisons and talk or the schools and talk and whatever so was your mom always badass yeah because did she do you have any brothers and sisters? I have a little sister, yeah. So she's raising you guys by herself mm -hmm. in a horrible part of the country. Yeah. Where all the odds are against you. There's in not the a lot of resources. Time. Yeah, the 80s. Like the worst Late time. 80s. Why didn't she move? Like, what brought her there? What was her attraction to that? Was it just affordable? It was all we could afford. Yeah, yeah when my dad split, my dad was the breadwinner. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And he took off, left us with nothing, and lost our house and, and the whole deal. And then, yeah, that was the only place we could afford. And, you know, she's working two jobs, sometimes even three jobs. I dropped out of high school when I was 16 and went to work. I was doing murals on low riders and show cars and shit wow. like that. But, we, you know, you do what you got to do. Like, I was just telling my kids, my daughter Quinn is 18, we're at home the other day, and she's like, I'm starving. Like, make something or go get something. 
She's like, yeah, I don't really feel like going. I'm like, I tell her the same story. When, uh, when we were kids, there was a McDonald's across the street. And every Tuesday, you could go get quarter hamburgers. It was like a special, right? You could buy up to eight per person. So me, my mom, my sister would walk across the street, buy our eight each. So we'd have 24 hamburgers. And that's still when they had like the little ketchup packets okay, yeah. just sitting out there. Bro, I would like take all of them. I'd throw them in my bag. I would take, so we would, we would put the burgers in the freezer and we would just eat them throughout the week. And we'd take all those ketchup packets and mix them with water and make tomato soup. No way. Yeah. You don't, I tell people all the time, you don't know what broke is till you've had ketchup soup. Man. Yeah. No, I've been broke before, but we never had ketchup <laughs> soup. It was wet. No, I had sleep for dinner before I had ketchup Bro, soup. I like spam was Thanksgiving. It yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it is ridiculous. And then maybe as a kid, so I, I'm, I'm 36 years old and I feel yeah. like I'm maturing way late in life because I ran from my problems and I ran from yeah. my issues and I ran from the things that were bothering me or things I didn't understand rather than face them head on. And that's what I really admire about what you're doing. Instead of judging these people who want to live this past life, you're now helping them. You're understanding what the, who they are, what they're going through, what they went through, and what they want to be. And it's, you know, I find myself so mean sometimes to the way that I was raised. I sure. guess my mom. And then the older I get, I'm realizing that she was a kid. My mom was 17 when she had me. And she literally did her best. She didn't have a mom. She didn't have a dad either. And so even though I'm frustrated with the abuse and the bullshit and her not being there mm -hmm. and why I struggled for so long. Um, now I, I'm, I'm at the place in life where I'm like, yo, I actually feel really bad for her because she killed it for what mm -hmm. she had. She killed it. She did better than I'm doing. Yeah. And I have a million times more opportunities than she ever had. You know, my mom dropped out in eighth grade Yeah. and my mom had dentures at 18 years old. Damn. And so I didn't really have this person that I looked up to as like a hero. Mm -hmm. I looked, my mom was a drug addict and alcoholic. And so I, I saw her that way. And I, I always visioned her as this person who was never there for me. And the reason I have all this anger in me is because of you, you son of a bitch, or because yeah. of my dad, because of this, he's, you know, um, put his hands on us or just weird punishments or holding food against us or, right. you know, just whatever the weird things is. It's so easy for us to hold resentment against the people who have done these things to us. But what's wild is the older I get, and the more I mature, I realize these are blessings. Absolutely. The fact my mother was, was like that, and maybe she suffered with schizophrenia, um, which wasn't diagnosed at the, at the time. Maybe I needed to go through that to become who I am now. And those, my whole life, I've pushed it away, pushed it away, which has prevented me from becoming who I need to be, who I want to be, who God created for me to be. And I feel so bad. I mean, you heard the yeah. radio show. I used to make fun of my mom all the time. I still yeah. do because those are true stories. That's sure. real stuff. But now I have this in my heart and I pray and I, I, I pray to her all the time is please know that I'm using your stories to bring people humor yeah. and to connect with people because there's a lot of people that can connect with that. And I think it's really important to share that it's okay to feel a certain way. Absolutely. It's, don't be so hard on yourself, but it's important that when your gut is telling you something to follow that because your gut brought you to that therapist's office, mm -hmm. your heart brought you there, and we all have the excuses. Like you could have walked out the door and you wouldn't be here today. Or maybe you would, but it would have took different steps to get you here. Oh, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that if I had not walked into that counselor's office, I would be dead. And think about all the stuff that you wouldn't have experienced yeah. or helped others experience. And I feel yeah. like that's kind of your purpose. Yeah. And again, I just met you, but I feel like we have very similar purposes of just helping people get through their stuff, which 
internally helps us get through our stuff. Yeah. Um, so let's get to these tattoos because I find this very inspiring that you're, it's not like you're Kat Von D. It's not like you're a million nope. dollar man. You're not, nope. this is a very clean shop. It is an adorable shop, but it's very modest. It's small. Yep. You could tell that there's a lot of love that, that is from here that is put onto people's bodies for life in this environment. Um, so what, what inspires you to stay with that kind of mentality and that business model rather than going to make the couple hundred thousand dollars and maybe putting your kids, buying your kids a new Corvette? Yeah, I mean, I've had that. I've had that money and I didn't like the person that I was. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a it, it wasn't a place of comfort where, oh, let me do this for somebody else. It was just greed is all it was. But and you're still not greedy though, because you do these tattoos no. for people and you don't even publish the fact that you just help them like the weird thing is you have a decent following on, on social media, yeah. but you should be worldwide famous for what you do. And I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want no, to share the fact that you do these good things for the world and you don't tell anybody. Right. And that I want to hug you and love you for that because yeah. anybody who does anything good in this world seems to go, look at me doing something good. Um, no, man, you just put your art out there. You put your love out there. You put your work out there and just let it, let the world happen. Mm. And over time some good things have happened to you because of For it sure. but i sometimes get frustrated i'm like yo yeah put some ads behind this push this out because you're doing god's work but i love how you're not pushing it you're letting right. it, the world come to you my thing is this I, the joy that i get from being able to do this work is all that i need yeah you know i tell my kids i tell people all the time like if you can go to bed if, when you're getting ready to go to bed at night you're laying there kind of thinking about your day if you did something to help somebody that could never repay you for it, it's really easy to go to sleep that night. Yeah. And hey, Pete. Got two for you. Thanks, bud. <laughs> nice. A friendly UPS driver. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> um, if you've done something that day to help someone that can never pay you back, it's really easy to go to sleep at night. And that's the purpose. Like this life that we live, it's not just for us. Yeah. Like this world is so hurt right now that's more divided than it's ever been. People just want to be heard, yeah. you know? And there's a lot of people like me growing up that were told, oh, counseling's for girls, yep. you know, man up, suck it up, you know? That's BS, man. We all need people to come around us and, you know, to be able to, to cover up a tattoo. What I've had guys that just came out of prison. I had a guy three weeks ago, just got released from prison that morning didn't go to McDonald's, didn't go to Portillo's, nothing. Came straight here wow. to start covering up a back piece on his back. Did he get it in prison? Yeah. And it was like this crazy, you know, it was all gang stuff. It was all Latin King stuff. How did the word of mouth get around about you? So this guy's in well, prison and, and knows about you. So he's already yeah. thinking, when I get out of prison, I'm going straight here to, to Ink 180. So one of the things I do a lot is I speak in prisons and jails. I go into jails and, and prisons and talk about second chances. Wow. Like, look, you don't have to be defined by the reason you're here. You could do your time. You could change your heart. You could change your mind. And you could leave here a different person and go out into the world and, and do what you're supposed to be doing, right? A lot of people say that. How do you really touch these people, though? Because anyone can say that. We, we, you know, you see all these Hallmark cards. Yeah. Like, how do you really connect with them? Then Is it because of the way you look? Is it because they can I relate. They relate to me because of how I look. They also relate to me because of my background, where yeah. I came from, what I come from. Um, so, you know, we always say it, real recognizes real, right? Yeah. So when you have somebody that looks like you, talks like you, and acts like you, 
doesn't exactly act like you anymore, like does something that you look at and you're like, man, he's got, and you can tell like there's peace in his life. They want that. It's so crazy you say, and I, I get clowned on for being a Machine Gun Kelly fan. Right. But in one of his songs, he has a lyric that says, how am I supposed to know that I can make it if no one that looks like me made it? Yeah. And so that's exactly what you're doing is you're yeah. showing these people like, hey, I'm just like you. I'm no different. We grew up probably the same way. Yeah. We have the same stuff, the same tattoos, the same things that could be holding us back from, from life. And I'm here to share that, that that's not the case. Doesn't have to, you don't have to. Just because you're here now doesn't mean you have to stay here or stay on this path that brought you here. So that, that's a really good point because it's so easy to get stuck in this hole that you've dug yourself in life and think that there's no way out. Right. This is where I am. You like that moment you talked about with having a Glock in your mouth. I've yeah. had my personal moments where I go, this is the lowest it's ever going to get. I don't even want it to be any better because I'm yeah. kind of loving the fact that it's so miserable. Mm -hmm. And I want to, I'm rom romancing the fact that I'm depressed. Yep. And it, it's so interesting that not everybody has the opportunity or the the eye-opening eye experience to break them out of that. And I'm blessed to have it. You're blessed to have it. Um, so since we're two freaking people that maybe not look like we suffer with crap, right? Mm -hmm. um, because unfortunately, the world judges book by the covers. I do it myself. Sure. But I'll do. You see you human see, nature. Right. I, I do stand-up comedy, and I do a lot of urban rooms, and I have a white face. People, You can't tell by looking at me that I grew up in a black family, right? I have uh, mixed sisters and black yeah. cousins. But when I open my mouth and start sharing these, these stories, people feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I can relate to that from you. And I, I just think that there's so much to that. And I love that you're breaking the cover off of these people's lives. And all there is now is the novel about them. Yeah. But if you break it down, look at that moment where everything became real to you. Yeah. You knew what life could be. That usually happened because of one person who didn't owe you shit right. cared enough. To, to be present for you, right? Yeah. And when I start working on this this former inmate's back, covering all this stuff up for him, and he goes and looks in the mirror and breaks down sobbing because he doesn't have to look at that anymore. Right. He had his moment. And all it was is a bunch of dicks. <laughs> it's a good montage. <laughs> no, I, I would never do that. You do look like you could throttle me in a second. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. So... Now, did, when he came out of prison with this huge back tat, did he have an idea of what he wanted to cover up? And Didn't care. Didn't care. So what do you do? I mean, here you are, you're faced with this. You're seeing this guy's past on his back. Yeah. Now, kind of what you add to him is now is going to be his future. So mm -hmm. you, you kind of broke it down earlier, but you start having a conversation about what are you thinking. Yep. But, like, how do you even start that from you, from your mentality? You're looking at this piece, this 100% gang-affiliated piece. Yeah. And you're going... Here's exactly how it happened. I asked him, I go, what brings you peace? What ideas, what thoughts bring you peace in your life? And he goes, he said, nature. The last thing I thought this dude was going to yeah, say. Right? Right. He goes, nature. He goes, I remember, you know, I knew I was going to prison and I went camping with my lady and we went to the mountains. Oh, and he was telling me this story about how they were walking. And I'm like, geez, like telling me about this stream that was coming down this mountain. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like I'm seeing it. I'm, as he's telling me, I'm seeing this picture in his mind, right? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. So go ahead and lay down. I just take my markers. I start drawing these mountains and trees and streams and birds and all this stuff and laid out the pattern for what's going to be a sick, probably 30-hour back piece on this guy. And wow. it's going to cover every bit of garbage he wants to cover. That's so cool. That's 
That's insane. So when you now when you lay your head on your pillow yeah. at night, do you feel proud? Or do you still feel like uh, there's stuff you need to do? There's, I definitely, I feel satisfaction. I don't want to say I feel proud. I feel satisfaction I was able to do that. But no, I 100% every day, it's like, all right, I, I get to go to work today and help somebody. I get to help change somebody's mind or change somebody's, not change their life, but well, it is their perspective. Oh, I think it is life-changing because, like you said, they can't take their kids to the pool. Yeah. You know, to be to be able to have the freedom to take your shirt off and take your kids to the pool or to be able to walk into Chuck E. Cheese for their birthday, yep. knowing that you know you don't have the gang affiliated tattoos anymore, because yeah. everyone's always looking to get payback for something that's happened. Oh to them. yeah, hurt people, hurt people. Yep. And you know, there's a lot of people watching this or listening to this right now that need help, haven't yep. got help, are listening to you, and hearing that you wouldn't got help. If if someone's watching this right now and they're thinking, because I think we all deep down know in our hearts mm -hmm. what we need to do to have a better life or the life that we want to chase this happiness. Yeah. Is there anything that you've lived through that you could share, maybe some words that would help push someone to go all in on just giving themselves a fair chance? First thing, I, I think everybody in the world should go to therapy. At right. some, at, I mean, we do it all the time. It's funny, my wife and I will go to marriage counseling. Like I said, this is our 30th year being married. And we'll have friends like, hey, you want to go to this concert or go to the Hawks game or whatever? We're like, oh, sorry, <laughs> we have counseling that night. Like, oh my God, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing's wrong. She hits me. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like nothing's wrong. Like we go to yeah. counseling to work on ways to relate to each other and, and fix issues or you know whatever. We don't go to counseling necessarily because something's wrong. But I think that we all, whatever our background is, whatever we do, we all go through ugly shit in life, and we need somebody that's you know just an unrelated third party that'll just sit and listen to it and walk us through it. Yeah, I think there's an incorrect stigma on therapy that they tell you what to do like your yeah. therapist tells you how you should live your life or that they judge you yeah i'm telling you right now i've had therapists who go i don't think i should be the person who helps you because i enjoy your stories too much yeah or they don't want to help me because i'm telling them stories about yo this is what happened in my life or this is what happened last weekend and they're like hey right. I, I i don't have the advice for you and i need to send you somewhere else because i'm too involved in this or i'm not the right person for you and one thing i really want to share with everybody is Therapy is not the way it used to be in the 70s, 80s, no. 90s, 2000s. You could now do it via your phone. Sure. You could sit in your living room where you're comfortable and talk to somebody. And what I really admire about therapy is that you're the boss. Yeah. If it's not working for you, there's no hard feelings. There's no, no. awkward conversation. It's not a breakup. And there's it's thousands more out there. Thousands. And they're yeah. wanting and willing to help you. Yeah. And it all takes is a conversation. Yep. And, and here's my challenge to those who are not seeking therapy or or afraid of it, or go, I don't need that shit, or just just afraid of what is new. Yeah. Give it a shot, and just like you, I guarantee you, matter of fact, I'll put a $5 bill. If you go to therapy, and it doesn't touch you, and you're not addicted to it, and want to go back and set up an appointment afterwards, I'll Venmo you five bucks. Yeah. And then I'll help you find another therapist that gives you that feeling, because that is out there. Just yep. like you, when I went to my first therapist, it was just a handful of years ago. I didn't know I was suffering with anxiety and depression, and I thought these things that happened to me in my life were uh, blessings. Yeah. Because they put the chip on my shoulder, made me yeah. fight harder, made me tougher, made me slap people when they did me wrong, made me tough. Perseverance. What it did is it made me a weak son of a bitch yeah. who used aggression. And I'm a small guy because I got my ass beat a lot. Um, <laughs> is you use aggression rather than my words and my feelings. Right. And what I've really learned recently is to use your heart, you have to use your ears. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of that by listening and, and focusing on 
on their life and where they want to go. So if you're in a situation where you're frustrated with where you're at in life, it's, it sounds like it's impossible to fix. It sounds like you have to climb this huge mountain. But the time in life is going to go by no matter what. Absolutely. And think about the last five years. Think about how fast that went by. Yeah. The next five are going to go by even faster. So you might as well be working towards something that's going to make yourself proud. And the older you get, the faster they go. Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I think the older you get, the more ready you are for therapy. Yeah. And I think that if you're young, if you get into therapy young, you could use it to really maximize your life. Absolutely. It's not saying that you suck or you're bad at life. You mentioned how it's always important to have someone to talk to. Now, your friends, when you talk to your friends, they give you advice. They yeah. tell you what they would do. Right. They tell you their personal experiences. A therapist doesn't tell you their personal experiences. They don't yeah. tell you what you should do. They give you tools and opportunity to come up with the ideas yourself. They guide you through talking out your own problem and your own solution. Do you ever feel like therapy is kind of like prayer? Yeah. So, dude, I have suffered. I've, I've, I've suffered my relationship with God and Sometimes I feel like he doesn't talk to me. Yeah. And then, dude, check this out. Then I'll be praying, mm -hmm. and I'll be praying about something, and then the answers will come to me. And instead of realizing that that's God talking to me and then like literally having a conversation with me, helping me out, yeah. I'm frustrated. Like, well, what are the, when's my life going to change? Here's what I've always found. <laughs> the times when I was praying and felt like I wasn't getting the answer is because I had too much static going on between my ears to hear them. Yeah, you're in your own way. Yeah, you get caught up in the, the muck and the mire every day, what you're going through, right? It's about centering yourself, just bringing yourself down to peace, and just it flows in there. Yeah. Now, do you feel like doing this for a living now has changed you as a person for the rest of your oh, life? Gosh, yeah. In the way that you father, like how are yeah. you? How are you a different dad now than before you started doing this kind of stuff? It's it's interesting. I used to be a very reactionary person. You'd come to me with a problem, I'd give you three possible solutions, okay. like that. And when I did that, I didn't allow myself to really hear the whole situation, okay? Now, I've become a much better listener. Yeah. So it's, you know, the Bible says, be slow to speak and fast to hear and just soak things in. And um, I think that's made me a much better dad because I'll just let my kids just, ugh, just get it out. Yeah. Let's talk it out. And usually, like when I go to mm -hmm. counseling, they talk themselves into their own solution. They're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. why didn't I think of this? Or why didn't I have this perspective? I thought this person was just being an ass to me. But this all makes sense now. Yeah. You know? So it's really, you know, whether I'm here and I'm tattooing somebody or removing a tattoo or talking to my kids or a friend or whatever, it's about being present for the person. Because 99% of the time, that person just wants to be heard. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm validated, man. you know. And you know, I found some audio of a random act of kindness that I did in 2016, and I just shared it because the life lesson. And I thought I was doing the world good by helping people. You know, I woke up one morning in Michigan, and I'd never experienced a winter before. Mm -hmm. um, I'm from the Seattle area, yeah. And I woke up, and my dog wouldn't go outside. <laughs> my truck was covered in snow, and I thought, "What are the homeless doing?" Yeah. And so I went and got coffee and donuts. And I was so excited to help people for the, the first time with my money because I was making decent money and here I was living my dream and I wanted to help others live their dream or just be comfortable. And I found this woman. I was so excited to find this woman who needed my help. And I run out and the audio's on my podcast. You could hear it there. And it's me going, do you want coffee? And all she's wanting to talk to me about is that she got frostbite on her hand as a kid. And dude, I cut her off and I go, 
You want cream and sugar, honey? Yeah. I, I'm kind. I'm sweet. Yeah. I am respectful. But, dude, listening to that audio broke me down. And I've talked about it, but I wasn't really genuine with how it really affected me as a human. I have been that person. I have been frostbite Jan so many times in my life where I don't want your shit. Yeah. Just can you can you just sit here for a second? Yeah. And sometimes you don't even have to say words or even hear me say words. Can you just sit here for a second? We are so alone in this world sometimes that you never really realize what your presence in your ears could do for someone's life, not just that day, but for their life. And again, I thought I was using my money mm -hmm. to buy them things that would make them comfortable. See, that's old dad. Yeah. New dad will sit there and listen to you for whatever time period it is, because you're right. Human nature is we see a problem, we want to fix a problem. Yes. And to a lot of us, and I've done this many, many times for many years, is money. Let me throw money at a problem. Yeah. But that's not really going to bring peace to either of you. Right. Right? Yeah. Because she just wanted to be heard, mm -hmm. and you just wanted to help her, but yeah. you didn't know necessarily how to best do that. So you did what you thought was best. Right. But you learned something from it, so it's not... Yeah. No, not a bad thing, you know? it's not a bad thing at all. I think it's a really beautiful thing. But I wouldn't have learned those lessons if I didn't go out there and do something. And I think the biggest thing that has come from this conversation is follow your heart. Follow yeah. your gut. Your gut isn't wrong. Your, your gut's telling you what to do every single day. And I feel like sometimes our gut is inspired by God. Absolutely. It's like God's living in our gut, just giving us the faith that we are capable of doing it, that he wants it for us. You know, I was sharing before we turned the mics on that I always felt my life purpose was to help distract people from the shit they've dealt with in their life. You know, I've dealt with a lot and I've always used my humor, uh, self-deprecating, whatever it's been. I always thought that I just needed to bring people over here, yeah. distract them a little bit, make them laugh. Then they don't remember how crappy their life is or how poor they are or what they're dealing with or the struggles in their marriage or the kids screaming in the back or whatever it could be, health issues. And then I realized that I was training people and helping people do the same thing that I've been doing in my life, right? Running from everything. And then when you run from stuff, eventually it, it catches up with you. And now I'm faced with a mountain. And so now I've prayed a ton about my purpose. It's like, I don't think my purpose is to make people laugh and distract them from their crap. I think it is to connect with them, whether it's through humor or personal experiences and help them get through it. Humor yeah. helps us get through anything. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm at a point in my life that you were at many, many years ago where things are starting to click in the right direction. And it's weird because I'm almost following your footsteps with this where it's a lot less money, mm -hmm. but it's so much more fulfilling. I sleep at night for the first time in my entire life. Yeah. I'm not constantly trying to find some kind of substance to make up for the fact that I'm living uncomfortable. Um, I now have peace and I'm finding ways to get out of my way my own way and many times in life like your, you know some of your clients where they're in their own way by putting these things on their bodies yeah. or you know it's really important to talk about that you're not who you once were those decisions that you made in the past don't determine who you are in the future and you know both of us suffered with mental health issues and suicidal thoughts and i want to talk about people who self-harm for a yeah. second because we have all been in a situation where we've seen someone who self-harmed you know, we've seen their scars. And I'm going to be dead ass. I have always been attracted to, to women who self, 
self-harm scars. Yeah. To me, they say they came from the trailer park and normally they're crazy in bed and they're going to have a, <laughs> an awesome experience, right? But I automatically draw conclusions about that person. Yeah. For instance, all those things I just said have never been true. No. The girls that I've hooked up with that I've had issues or scars on their, their bodies were the most modest, kindest yeah. human beings. They weren't light my hair on fire and spank me on the ass and call right, me right. They weren't, and I thought they were. No. And so when they come with stuff like this, you said it's free. Why is yeah. it free? Why don't you charge them something, at least for the ink? What's the purpose of this? There's a couple reasons for it. Um, my life was saved by my faith, and Jesus paid the ultimate price. Yeah. Okay, that's the first. The other is, quite honestly, a lot of the people that are seeking the help couldn't afford it. Yeah. You know, we don't publish this out there a lot. We don't talk about it. My account, it's funny. My accountant's this little old Jewish guy. Okay. Okay. Which is normally what you'd want. Yeah. He thinks I'm absolutely batshit crazy for doing it for free. <laughs> and he's like, Chris, you're, you're, blah, blah, blah. So every year we keep track of how many we do, what it would have cost if we had charged for it. Yeah. And um, so he called me up this last year. He was doing all my, my books. He goes, you realize how much money you've given away in almost 11 years? I said, no. It's a million dollars? 1.8 million. Yeah. 1.8 million dollars. Yeah. And he goes, you're crazy. I said, but I'm not, though. Because what would I have done with that money? Probably nothing good. Yeah. And I got to sit and listen to their life and their heart, and their struggle, but their triumph. It's not a, for us. Like, this isn't just about, hey, come in. We're going to cover your tattoo. You leave and go have a great life. Right. We build relationships. Like, this is my extended family. Like, I get Christmas cards, birthday cards from people that we've helped years ago. And they're like, hey, I just want to tell you what I'm doing now, like how I'm doing. And like, I got my first real job. I got my first legit job, not slinging drugs or selling oh. myself or... I just got married. We have a kid on the way or whatever. I got a promotion. Like these people aren't just, they come in, we tattoo them, they leave. It's we develop relationship with them because we have conversations just like we're having right now while they're in, because they're in here two, three, multiple hours, sometimes yeah. multiple sessions. Um, and we, we just talk, man. And it's a beautiful thing. It's like you said, it's almost like therapy. Yeah. Every time I had a tattoo, I have a very deep relationship with my tattoo artist. Yeah. Um, and I, I can remember every single experience and every right. conversation I had every single time I had a tattoo because it is for life. And it's really cool that you, you know that and that it, you're there for that impact. You're not just there for that day, but you're there in the future. And I love that your clients bring you along in their life and show you yeah. their success because you are the part of it. And how many of us have an insecurity that's, that prevents oh. us from doing stuff? Big time. And the fact that you help cover up their insecurities it is mind-blowing. I mean, if I could have you cover up my insecurity, like, could you draw hair? Yeah. I, would, I, would, <laughs> Same. I would love, Same. at least you have a good bald head and you're yeah, a big it works. guy. It works. Yeah, dude, I'm 5'8 with Nikes on. I'm domed <laughs> out, dude. Like, it, people think I have Down syndrome from the back. Fuck. They do. I'm dead ass. <laughs> like, so, I don't even want to talk about the story right now because it doesn't fit this, but really? someone tried to donate money to me from the back. No way. They thought I had Down. Oh. Yes. Blessings. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the love and support. Um, and so, yeah, when I walked in here today, I was just blown away by, I keep saying this, yeah. I've been in tattoo shops left and right. I come from a biker family. Sure. So tattoos, bikers, they yeah. go hand in hand. Yep. This is, this place is 
spotless Thank and you. it smells really good. <laughs> I, I, I keep saying that um, I'm a very sensitive nose. Yeah. And I'm, I get turned off by scents. Yeah. And as soon as I walked in, ding dong. I mean, you've heard it. Yeah. Hurry up and buy. Um, <laughs> You did, you have this presence of, of comfort. It doesn't really feel like a dark and grungy tattoo shop. Mm. Is that something you really focused on to make it like warming? And I'm saying celebrities, oh, dude, you need to start representing yourself better. I'm saying so, you celebrities, I'm saying like, right, dude. Oh, Emilio Rivera. Yeah, yeah bro. Like, dude, you're man. so humble. How do I become more humble like you? Like, because if I look like you, like a badass, and I had this badass company and I was doing something awesome, my ego would get in the way. Yeah. And I feel like I'm here with you today, not only to share this message about what I think you do is awesome, but it's also to learn from you. And it's how do I, I want to be more like you. So I have self-worth issues. Sure. And I feel like my, my inflated ego makes up for that. So how do, you, how do you keep yourself in check with your ego? And, and how could I learn from that? What I've always found throughout my life, I, I've been through those same times, believe me. Um, I've never found my ego to do me any kind of good service. It's yeah. always gotten me in trouble, right? It's a little selfish. And the the humility part was something that I still learn. I, I mean, on the inside of my bicep here, it says God deserves better. Oh, you know, yeah. It's a lot of people good. think there's a lot of people out there that think that because they're Christians, they're they're great, they're perfect. Oh, they're done. They're, everything's good. They're good, right? <laughs> yeah. They're going to heaven. My thing is, I know I've still got a lot to work on. Uh, and it's about trying to just be better than I was yesterday. Right. And a big yeah, part of that right. is humility. You know, it's, it's every day just getting a little bit better. It's, not, it's never about perfection because you're never going to attain it. But one of my biggest things was I, was I would throw my ego out there all the time, you know, and, and it got me into some, some stuff over the years. Right. I've just, like, one of the things, one of the biggest blessings in my life, I think God installed this little internal stop sign that sits right about here. Every time I'm about to say something stupid, it kind of flares up like, you really want to say that? I need that. You really want to put that tweet out there? You know? Yeah. Yep. And that has done me a lot of a lot of good over the years. But, you know, <laughs> ego never got me anywhere good. Well, a lot of people suffer with ego. And I feel like a lot of young men who yeah. feel like they have something to prove to the world, prove to themselves. Maybe they didn't have a dad to believe in them or they came from a situation like yours yeah. where it's really hard to get out of your own way, especially when you've never had anything. Right. And now you've done it. You've done it yourself. You did this. You're self-made. It's hard not to pound your chest and go, look at me now. But look see, here's, where I, here's how I look at it. I don't look at it at all and say, look what I did. Yeah. I say, look what he did. Right. Because, now you do. But now I do. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, look what he did. And my thing is, I think if I go back to that egotistical bragging kind of thing and be like, yeah, look at me, that's when it, it all goes away. Yep. You it know? all falls apart. Because, yeah. And I've done, I've, it, believe me, <laughs> there have been times where I've kind of strayed away from what God's wanted me to do and kind of some old stuff. I'm like, but you get that realization real quick, like, All right, I'm, I'm going down a bad way. Let's back back up from that and go back down this road. Um, and it's just getting to the point where you have that self-realization, like I'm straying away from where I should be. I need to put the work in to get back over here. No, but the work in and the way you feel that is because you have a relationship with God. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, much like we were talking about therapy, a lot of people are like, what? How do I even start that? Right. Well, how does someone start building a relationship with God? I mean, if you've never met God, yeah. you've heard of, you know, you've heard of it, you're kind of intimidated by it, or maybe you don't believe in it, but you kind of need something in your life. What would be a, like the entry level to 
Jesus. I just, it's hard, man. It's different for everybody, right? Like for me, I was in that counselor's office, in Joan's office, and I was like, I'm going to go to church tomorrow. And I had to find a church that was going to accept all this. What made you want to go to church the next day? Because that peace that I felt when she prayed for me. So now you felt like, oh my I, gosh, God can give me this peace. Now you, were you almost yeah. like addicted to that peace? Yes, 100%. Okay. I was like, I need more, like, yep. hit me, right? And, um, I needed that bad and I still do like I love it um nothing gives nothing in my life has ever given me the rush that my relationship with Jesus has because I know that at the end of the day he only has good in mind for me right you know yeah and but how do you believe in that if you've struggled your entire life because I was, your dad left you dude sure like you've had a, a rough life man you, yeah you literally saw your best friend die in your arms you've seen it all why would God put you through this though and a lot yep. of people watching this who have not had the chance to have a relationship with God yet could feel that way. Yeah. If God loves me, why did God do this? Why does God oh, have yeah. kids? Why does this happen? Absolutely. So here's how I respond to that because I get that question a lot. How do you do? Like, if God's so great, why did I spend 20 years in prison? Why did my friend die? Why did my brother die? You know, yep. Why did someone so so have cancer? cancer? Yeah. yeah. Here's my answer to that. God is amazing. But Satan's working overtime too, right? Mm -hmm. So... And people are like, well, if God, if God really loves me, why doesn't he take me out of this situation? God doesn't necessarily take you out of a bad situation. Sometimes he guides you through that shit. Yeah, it, you need to be there. What we want in our heart is just to be out of that situation. Right. Right? And sometimes we have to get guided through it. Sometimes you have to walk down the dark alley with somebody that's going to be there to protect you, but you don't necessarily see it. Right. Yeah. And... Well, sometimes it's hard for people to believe in something you don't see. Yeah. And I think your relationship with God is just like any other relationship. I mean, if you don't know God and you've never had a relationship with God, it's no different than going to a brand new convenience store in a new neighborhood you just moved into. Right. Let's say you smoke cigarettes. You're going to go to that convenience store every single day. You're eventually going to build a relationship with the people or the family who work there. Yeah. God is no different. It takes that ding dong, walking into Inc. 180 for the very first time and just saying hi. Right. And, and every relationship is based off of stuff like that. And I think it, it is intimidating for people because God is a very powerful sort, you know, powerful, I want to say person, but powerful spirit or, right. you know, a guiding light. And it can seem intimidating. It's almost like walking into a room with famous people. Yeah. You know, it's like, he's not going to like me. I don't belong here. Right. So what would be an open way, you know, to kind of start this relationship with God? It takes that one, that first step, you know, it's, I still like, for example, this Sunday, I'm speaking at a church in uh, Valparaiso, Indiana. I'll walk in there with like Dickie's shorts on and a short sleeve button up shirt, mm. tattoos everywhere, my sunglasses on, and I'll walk in there to speak. Those people won't know I'm there to speak. And every time this happens, I walk in, I get there early, and I'll see women like clutch their purse yeah. real tight, or they'll walk way around where I'm at. And I don't get mad about it. I understand. I'm not something they're familiar with. I'm totally foreign to them, right? And you did this. I did this to me. And you actually, that For was the a reason, purpose and of that. that was why I did it, yeah. right? So you can't be mad at that now. I'm not. I'm never mad at it. I understand it. It's a very interesting case study in social studies, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but then they'll come <laughs> up to me after church and they'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I judge you. I'm like, yes. I get it. Like, it's all good. Like, I just wanted to show you, but talk about what we do, of course, but show you like people that look like me aren't always what we appear to be. Right scary or whatever. Sometimes there's a reason why you look like that. Right. Because you're scared. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I tell people this all the time. I, I still go into churches sometimes. I feel judged. I feel, and I hear people talking kind of behind the scenes about different topics or whatever. Um, politics, of course, gets talked about in the church all the time, which I can't freaking stand. I think we've politicized our faith, and that's yeah. horrible, right? Um, but my thing, I've had people come in here for just regular business, regular tattoos, right? And they've told me, like, I almost didn't come here. Like, I love your work. You do great work. But I wasn't going to come here and get preached at for two hours. I'm like, oh, my gosh, did I do that? And like, no, that's why I'm telling you. Like, you didn't do that at all. But they say that, like, I can tell how much you love Jesus by how you treated me. Oh, that's great. And to me, that's the greatest compliment as yeah. a Christian you can receive. Right. I'm not going to stand on a soapbox outside Union Station with a megaphone telling people they need to repent or they're going to go to hell. My thing is, I want you to um, feel the peace that I have in my heart because I love Jesus. Um, but it's never going to be about preaching to anybody. Right. And what's interesting is those people who are preaching mm -hmm. and those people who are driving around on those abortion vans, yep. they love Jesus too. Yeah. And that can be really tricky for somebody who's on the outside and wants a relationship with God Absolutely. to where they, they go, but I don't want to be that person or like, wh what do I really believe in? What, yeah. you know, and I think, I think it's really important to just know that if you are entering a relationship with God, no matter what religion it is, it's based on your terms. Yeah. It's, however you want to do, you get to draw it up. It's like your tattoo. Yeah. You get to draw it up. And What's amazing is the more that I learn, I'm learning that that's the way God wanted it. That's yeah. like the purpose. That's, that's the road. Design. That's why we have free will, right? Yeah, it's like it's so nuts. Like so many people have become in and out of my life that I look back and I go, "Whoa, God really had my back," mm -hmm. and I didn't really feel it then. Right. And I can look back now and go, "Wow, if that didn't happen, I probably wouldn't have this faith and I wouldn't be this person." You know, I was in a, a relationship with a woman who was very religious. Mm. And we didn't go to church when we were dating or when we got married for one reason or another, but we believed in God sure. and having that together. And I, we've believed in God for two different reasons. I believed in God because I felt alone mm -hmm. and I felt like I needed someone to always have my back. My mom was not there. My dad wasn't there. And I lived with like nine different family members and moved around like school, for school, for school, for school, for school, where I never felt like I belonged. And God so blessed that I had an aunt in my life yeah. who introduced me to God at a, a young age to where I now felt like I wasn't alone. And the church opened up. So even though I was a 13-year-old kid living in a gang neighborhood, mm -hmm. the church would come to the apartment buildings and talk about God and try yeah. to get the kids to go to the youth groups. Nice. Well, I knew that they had breakfast for me and my little sister. Heck yeah. And so I would take the kids and we would go to church every yeah. Sunday to go out. Breakfast. But what happened was, is we became part of that community. That's then right. every single week they would come pick us up and they would wait for us. Yeah. And these, I've never met these people before. Now they love us. Yeah. And I love them and they're taking right. care of us and yeah. they're treating me better than my mom's ever treated us. <laughs> right. And, and then my mom gets jealous yeah. because she can't give that to us. Remember us talking about right. the success, jealousy that sometimes you have survivor's guilt or the success guilt too. Oh, sure. My mom was like, you're not allowed to go back there. Damn it. I'm giving you this stuff. Yeah. You know, you, you eat the Cheerios. Yeah. You know, don't go over there and eat their waffles. Right. And we would sneak. You know, she was doing her thing. We would sneak and go do it. And I'm so happy that we did that because yeah. even though it started selfish, it started with they feed us, let's go there. Yeah. It ended up being a way that I met God, the way that my siblings met God. And because of that moment, 
I now wear this bracelet, WWJD bracelet. I have tattoos, and right. I have a, a relationship that I continue to work on with God every single day. Hey, started with food. Jesus fed, <laughs> fed 5,000 people. Yeah, wow. it's like a lot of that's how we are. Like, we, I feel like we get in our own ways from seeing these do. things. Absolutely. Like, God is so good and it's so beautiful. Like, this, me being here right now, this is not because I was looking for people doing good in the world. Right. You didn't reach out to me looking for ways to get what you do right. publicized. Mm-hmm. It, it, just like the first time I talked about you, it came across my timeline or I saw someone talk about it. It touched me. I feel like I've always had the purpose of using my platform for good. It, dude, literally, it was a throwaway. Yeah. It was. I saw it. I felt it. It meant something to me. I had a microphone. I said it. We were on to the next thing. Sure. And all these years later, to sit here with you and to hear for the very first time that you were in your car taking your daughter to school and you heard me say that and talk about your business and then to have people call and, and get your help from you, yeah. God's been working this, this entire time. It's, it's weird how he connected, connected us. Oh, yeah. And now how we're both going to change from the future because of right. this interaction. Absolutely. I mean, I wow. tell people all the time, like, I used to use the word coincidence all the time. There's no such thing as a coincidence, in my opinion. I yeah. think, I think God connects dots, puts people in your in your place or in your way in your path to do greater things. And you know, I can do. You know, we just hit a huge milestone in back in June. We did our ten thousandth free cover up, and I was sitting back one night, the night that it happened, and we when we hit it. And just kind of reflecting on it, I was like, man, like, I'm so thankful, like, God brought all those people to, so I could get to meet them. 10,000. 10,000 in almost 11 years, yeah. And I'm guessing you probably remember every single one. I do. And I'll see them. I'll be out. I'll be in this. I'll be in the city or I'll be in Indiana, Milwaukee, whatever. And somebody will be like, Chris, Chris. I turn around. It's a guy that I did a cover up for, removed his teardrops like four or five years ago. Wow. And we just hang out and talk and catch up for a few minutes and they tell me what they're doing. And... Have you ever had anybody have a gang-related tattoo covered up that they've come back to you to go, I want it back? No. So once they're out of that life, you see a really big success rate, a good success rate yeah. of them never going back? Absolutely. In fact, a lot of times, a lot of times while they're sitting here getting the tattoo work done, I'm talking to them about like, what's your plan? Because you can't go back to the same neighborhood. You're no. done. Yeah. You know? And they tell me their plan, right? And we have other organizations that we work with that can help them in different parts of the country. Wow. You know, if you want to move, whatever. I had a guy that one of the very first, you know, when we started doing the, the gang stuff in 2011, it was all grassroots, just like, we're just doing this. This is what we do. And WGN heard about it. And they came down, the news came down and did um, a video interview with me and this guy, Junior, that I was doing a cover-up on. This dude was a former Latin king. He left the gang. His own old gang came after him. They shot him 10 times. And I'm talking to him as I'm doing this cover-up, and the news cameras are here, right? And, like, trying to hold it together because his story, a lot of it is super triggering to me, right? Getting shot. And... and, um, He's telling me, he goes, yeah, man, one of the... Times I got one of the ten times I got hit was right here, and I found out later it was an AK-47. And in my head, I'm like, "You should be gone, dude! Like, yeah. there's no way you get shot in the face with an AK-47 and live." He said the bullet hit, ricocheted off of his skull, 
under his skin, tracked up over his oh. ear and out, didn't penetrate his skull. Lessons. And I'm sitting there, and the, the guy holding the camera is crying. Yeah. Listen to this story. And I'm trying to hold it together. And I looked at him, I go, brother, if you didn't know Jesus was real before that, I bet you do now. And he's like, oh, yeah. It's like, that was it. That was my moment. And this guy, all these years later, he lives down in the southeast and started a construction company. And he hires former gang members. That's so cool. Or people coming out of the system to give them a second chance. I'm like, it's cool. So there's a lot of people who go through stuff like that where they have near misses. Yeah. And they call themselves lucky. Mm. Would you say it's luck or would you say it's God looking out for them? It's funny because I'm as Irish as you can get and I don't believe in luck. I think everything <laughs> is, I think there's a, a grand design in everybody's life. And sometimes that gets disrupted by evil. But um, I think everything is very methodically planned out. And our it's our reaction to what we go through right. that defines who we are and what yeah. we believe in. Yeah, it's so crazy how our reactions can literally change our future. Oh yeah. It's you know, you're here in this situation that you've put yourself in from a lot of hard work and decisions you've made mm-hmm. every single day to continue your relationship with God and to continue your relationship with the community yeah. and to do what you want to do. It's like you said, it's not the most financially stable situation <laughs> because 1.7 what was it? 1.8 1. 8 now. 1.8 yeah. million dollars, 10,000 free tattoos to help people live a better life and where do you see the next 10 years? So over the last, was it 12 years you've done this? 11 years. 11 years, you did 10,000 tattoos? Yeah. I mean, you said you're 52 years old now. Yep. You're a completely different person. Where do you see the next 10 years? I always say this. I'll do what I'm doing right now until God tells me to do something different. As long as my hands work, I'll still do it. Um, as long as I can afford it, I'll, I'll show you right now. This is This is the hard part of doing this work. Okay, so... We're able to do this work because people donate. Yes. That's how much is in my account right now to be able to buy supplies. Wait, really? $181. That's to your name? Yeah. That's to your name. So this is yeah. pure freaking... Wait a minute. So hold up, hold up. Let's break this down. Thank you for sharing that. That's very vulnerable. Doesn't that add pressure to you? Like, no. don't, yeah. Don't you feel that... Do you ever let that lose your path? Because... Again, you, that's $1.8 million. Yeah. You have less in your bank account than a lot of people. Than most, yeah. Than most, but yet you have this, you hold yourself in such a beautiful way, and you have this beautiful establishment that you've built. Before we get to how do you keep the doors open, how people help make this happen, how do you stay clear and straight? Because I have a poor relationship with money, mm. and mine looks similar to that. Yeah. And I can tell you that I'm freaking out inside and it's really tough for me to remain the person I need to be and to remain on my path that God wants me to be because I have needs. And yeah. also when you have a hundred and something dollars to your name, it, you become to feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to remain yourself when you feel unsafe. So how do you stay so stable? Oh, well, here's how I look at it. Is it stressful? hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. You can, look at, you can look at your bank account and have $181 in the bank, and you can react to it a couple different ways. You can panic and stress about it, and it will ruin your day. Yeah. Or you can be like, you know what? I've had less. So you don't ignore it. 
Oh, heck no. You can't. So you don't you can't ignore, ignore it. Because I, I do that still today. Like, you know, I, let's say my bank account. Like, I won't yeah. open up my app because I don't want that anxiety. I feel like yeah. if I open up that app and I see $180, I'm going to set myself up to have a bad day. Mm-hmm. So help me become better after leaving you. How do I open up the app like you just did and not feel that? What does money do? Money pays the bills. Money puts food in your mouth. That's great. Yeah. Keeps me alive, too. It, it does. But the thing is, what's more valued? What's more important to you? The, what's in your bank or the peace in your heart? Right? I guess because and, I'm uncomfortable with myself, it's going to be the bank. Because yeah. in the bank, it feels like a comfort blanket. Mm-hmm. That if you don't have that peace with yourself, money becomes that comfort blanket a little bit. Even well, if it's just a couple hundred bucks. It does. But... Here's the thing. Like when I've had extra money, when I've had times in my life where I have extra money, I'm like, oh, cool. Let's go out and do something dumb today. Yeah. Let's go do something dumb. You mm-hmm. know. And it's always like, and it's never something that's brought me joy, right? But here's the thing. I'll tell you. In in eleven years of doing this work and having my bank be like that the whole time, and getting a red notice from the water department that you have five days to pay your water bill, or they're going to shut off your water in the shop. Yeah. It's not that I don't think about it. Or plan for, or look how to f- remedy that that situation. Yeah, but it's not. It doesn't do me any good to freak out about it. Well, you're not washing it up as God will take care of it. I'm not going to think about no, it. No, the people that are like, oh, God's got me. Yeah, I get that too. But those are people that have a million dollars in the bank. It's real easy to say God's got me when you're not worrying about paying the bills. Right. I know God's got me too, but at the same time, I need to take care of my responsibilities and and raising money or doing regular tattoos to pay to get more boxes of needles or ink or whatever it is to do the work. I mean, a lot of people in your situation would try to get as much publicity as possible. Mm. Uh, Very few people do good in the world without telling the world they're doing good. And it's, it's very inspiring to sit next to you, see that bank account, knowing what you do, knowing where you could be financially. And also not just financially, but when you make more money, you're able to be in a better position for yourself, your family, maybe a better shop, maybe in a uh, heavier populated location. Yeah. Right. Um, but you're still, you're the same you. You're going to go home. You're going to be the same dad that left as you come home. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have that stress. I really need to learn from that and really need to figure out how to incorporate that in my life because I let stuff like that destroy my day. And then what I do, my man, and I feel so many people do this, is I destroy others. It's, oh, yeah. It's it's not because I'm, I'm miserable, I want to make others miserable. Sure. My misery can bring other people miserable misery, especially if they love me. Right. If they care about me, they feel what I feel, and mm-hmm. vice versa. And I'm tired of being the person that allows stuff like that. The small things, because you're right, $181, that's, that's amazing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. My mom would fucking fist pump and head to Starbucks. Yeah, it's got right. 150 of that. Yep. And you and I go, cool, that's a little stressful. Okay, we'll have to figure this out. Yeah. But the fact that you're able to keep the faith, I really need to adapt that. And it's it's not that I ever lose faith in God. Yeah. It's that I lose faith in myself. Yeah. I see that and I go, well, I must not be doing something right. Yeah, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Right. So and how, that's how the... do you not feel like a failure and how do you teach your kids to be okay with this? So when you hear I'm a failure, that's never from God. That's always from Satan. Yeah. And Satan will use your own voice to make you feel like shit. Okay. And he does it all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'll tell you a quick story. So we did, I'm going to give you a copy of this documentary. We did a documentary six, seven years ago 
Um, a Christian company produced it. They did a good job. They won a bunch of Emmys, whatever. Um, but what they did behind my back that I didn't know was they were shopping it out to Hollywood as a potential series, like a reality series, okay. right? They come to me one day and they're like, hey, we, we've done this. We've talked to all these networks in LA. There's all kinds of interest. That's like the height of the tattoo show era, yeah, right? Yeah, Cap on D show yeah, was out there. Big time. Ink, whatever it was called, Miami Ink. Miami Ink, all that. Yeah. And so they said, hey, we've got, we have eight networks that want to meet in LA. They'll fly us out there, the whole deal. I'm like, cool, free trip home. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. So I, I take these guys, we, fl we fly, there's four of us. We fly to LA, get the rental car, and I'm driving because I'm the only one that knows LA. And I take them to the cemetery. I'm like, why are we here? I'm like, I got to say hi to some friends. And I took them around to the graves of my, all my friends, right? Because I wanted to put them in the mindset of why we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. we go and we meet with eight networks over a period of like four or five days. And it was always the exact same situation. There were actually two offers to do this show. And it was us in this big, beautiful boardroom with these older Jewish executives. Yep. Right? And the, they had the sizzle reel. They showed the reel. These guys are like, oh, my gosh, this is great because it's a tattoo show, but it's with a purpose. And we get the stories of the clients. And they're, they're singing cha-ching, cha-ching, cha oh, like, oh, that's all they're seeing is yep, money. advertising money, right? And so we get down after they watch all that, we're talking. We're like, Chris, we love um, you, like your family, the clients, the, the work, everything. There's only one thing. I'm like, okay. And I knew what was coming. We're like, well, you know, this is kind of at the tail end of Duck Dynasty, right? So that's kind of winding okay. down. They're looking for the next thing. <laughs> and they're like, we know that you're a Christian and, you know, that's why you do what you do. But we're, we kind of want to, keep it generic we want to take that aspect out of it i was like i thought you were probably gonna say that i've known that yeah. ever since i learned about all this stuff <laughs> and i said i'm gonna tell you why i can't allow that and i tell i talk them through my story i'm like this is why i'm alive this is my why if you take away my why there is no what right right so and i told him like a and e was one of the networks i was like look guys you think that allowing the Duck Dynasty folks to pray at the end of the episode is you're letting them have their faith moment. That's bullshit. <laughs> there's so much. I've met those guys. I know there's way more to their faith than just praying at the end of the show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I said, I will not allow this story to be told unless my faith is a part of it. I'm not going to, just like I don't here, yeah. I don't preach at people. I'm right. not going to preach at people on the show. But it's part of the story. But it's part of the story, and it's the the core of the story. And if you take that out, I'm just a, a tattoo artist that's a nice guy. Who cares about that? I know, but again, here you are. Your face, you have an opportunity to make a lot of money. Yeah. You have an opportunity to be what a lot of people chase, fame. Sure. You have an opportunity to live a dream. Here you are. Your artwork is going to be on TV. It's going to get nationally you know, um, recognized. What you do is going to be known by the world. It's awesome, man. God is good. Yeah. And then you find out you can't even mention the fact that God got you there. Yeah. And and this is what I really admire about you. And I feel like you've you've consistently made these decisions in your life to choose to do what was right. So you've been, you've done what was wrong for so many years, and at one mm. point you just decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to always take the easy route or do what's going to be convenient or comfortable. So instead of taking the comfortable with the money, instead of taking 
hey, I get to be on TV. This is freaking awesome. Right. You go, because the purpose isn't right, you just completely shut it all down. Shut and, it down. And I, I walked away from a lot of money. Like more they, than once. It was on the table. There was a contract on the table with a check. You just... And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't take this. And now, all these years later, we're sitting here having a conversation, and you show me your bank account's on $181. Yeah. Do you ever regret not signing those contracts? No. There's times where I, and I'll tell you this, and I can say this with 100% certainty in my heart, that money would have changed me in a negative way. What if it happened today? Because that was seven years ago. Still wouldn't do it. I'm see. I'm even more rooted now than yeah. I was then. I mean, a lot of this stuff was still very new to me, but I'm just as convicted now that I I would respond the same way. Now, how's your wife feel? I mean, she's your partner. She's your life partner. Thirty Bro. years you guys have been together, so she knows you. She knows you better than you. She's yeah. seen your butthole. Yeah, <laughs> she could draw it as a police sketch. Dead ass, right? And yeah. so, like, here you are, and of course, you want to make her proud. Mm-hmm. Is it always is it ever tough for her to go? Yeah. Before you walk away from this, yeah. or hey, let's not do so many free ones a year. Let's mm-hmm. cut it down. It's got to be tough. Yeah. But does she also believe? Is she a believer as well? Yeah. Is she on your side? Like, are you guys a team with this? 100%. Or? 100%. Okay. I would be the little devil. If, if we were in a relationship, yeah, no. I would be like, yo, bro, hey, I'll publish your butthole to everybody. Everyone's going to well, know about the moles. I'll tell you this. Before <laughs> our old life, before we would watch, like, whenever the lottery got, like, how it is now, like, Mega yeah. Millions like $1.2 billion. Stupid, right? We would play the lottery all the time. We'd be like, oh, man, I would get a Ferrari. I'd get a house in Malibu over the beach. Like, I would live comfortable. We don't really do lottery stuff because usually we just don't have extra excess cash, right? Yeah. But I bought a ticket the other day, and I was like, man, you know what would be so awesome would be to win that money. And I, I don't think about what I could do for us. You know, yeah, we would live more comfortably than of we course. do now. No yeah. question. But we would set up a foundation. I would just do random, un- under-the-radar blessing people. Yeah. Like, I'd find a homeless vet. and I'd, like, hook him up with a place to live for five years, you know, and, like, help get him a job. And, like, you see all these guys. I-, I watch stuff on TikTok, and I love this, man. You see these guys are giving away all these, not just money, but they're giving people a hand up, you yes. know. Um, Opportunity. A place to live, a job, like. Getting people like here, I want to help you go and pay for your rehab or whatever. Like I would think that would be super cool to do. It, it would be. That's actually my dream. Yeah. That's that's, that's my dream. Yeah. I I have always been able to use radio stations funds yep. to do stuff like that. And so now the dream is without having that outlet and creating my own now, um, is to find ways to continue to do that. Yeah. To change people's lives because it could take. A, a small little donation from a company, a big corporation, to completely change the way a person lives. Absolutely. A- and what I mean by that is I don't mean by giving them money. I mean by giving them opportunity, hope, yeah. and a chance. And what's really inspiring and what I don't feel like people quite understand is when you help one person out, you're helping out many, 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 many people. It, yeah. it be- it's a domino effect. Absolutely. And even if that person who you help out isn't ready to help out someone else, mm-hmm. They're still carrying the energy that they've been helped out, that they were loved, that that's, God was looking out for them, whether they knew that's what it was or not. Yeah. That that energy is now being spread out through the universe, and you did that. And so I am inspired also to do that same type of thing, yep. where I want to help people. Like I, my favorite videos are the ones where um, 
like sports teams will send a guy out to go meet a kid in the neighborhood right. and they, Hey, do you like basketball? Do you want to go to the Pistons yeah. game tonight? Right. I break out in tears because I yeah. was that kid. And now I'm in the position to use my platform to do right. stuff like that. And so I'm super excited in the future to team up with businesses to continue to do that. I'd love to bring you along. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what it's about, right? Yep. It's so amazing being able to do that. And even though you and I walk away and yes, we were the middlemen of doing those kind of things. It's, it's so rewarding for us just as human beings to just be a part of it. And I feel like what it does is it sets you and I up and the people who help back to neutral in our hearts and our soul. Yeah. Because like you said, the devil speaks really loud sometimes. And a lot of times people do these acts of kindness for publicity. Oh, yeah. And I was in a situation to where I was forced to do acts of kindness for publicity. Yeah. And for a lot of money. Right. And it wasn't that I was making a lot of money. The corporation was making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And then out of spite, I stopped doing these random acts of kindness because I, I was doing it out of force rather than from my heart or because I saw an opportunity to do something nice. Right. Um, you know, I was, I was working for a guy one time who said, it doesn't pay off to do nice things if the world doesn't know it. Mm. And I no longer work for that bastard anymore. And I no longer work for the people who agreed with that mentality. Um, You know, and that always broke my heart where I I have a buddy who would tip somebody, but if they didn't see him tip them, he would take it out of the tip jar and then put it back. No way. You know the guy. Um, But that's a, you heard the story. That's a real life thing. Yeah. But I think that goes down to us needing to be needed, right? Yeah. So if you feel the core from God, if you have this relationship with Jesus or with yourself, right? I'm not here to push God on anyone. Right. I'm just sharing what he's done for me yeah. and kind of you're yeah. sharing what he's done for you yeah. and, and that it is possible for every single person, but you don't have to have a relationship with God to live a good life or be a good person. For sure. I mean, I get people that call me all the time. They're like, hey, listen, like, I know you're a Christian, but like, I'm Muslim. Will you help me? I need, yeah. like, heck yeah, come on in. Let's sit down and talk. I, I'll tell you, I've had some of the best conversations about faith with people that weren't Christian. Yeah. They're Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, atheist. I am fascinated by what people's faith or their belief system means to them. It's not about, hey, you need to do what I do, or that's all BS. Like, yeah. I'm not about that at all. Um, I think that that division <laughs> in our country is sad. Is, and this yeah. country was built on religious freedom. I know what's been great for me, but I also love to sit with people and hear about what their faith is to them. And it's really inspiring and stuff to, just to hear about it because it, you know, it's the same. Yes. It's the same thing. Like we have peace when we have peace in different things, but we have peace and that's a beautiful thing. And I feel like you can feel that on somebody. Yeah. And again, it doesn't have to be your relationship. If you choose not to have a relationship sure. with whatever religion or with whatever God, that's fine. Yep. But I need a relationship with God to have that peace. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are striving to get. They're, yeah. they're fighting to get this peace. And when you're young or when you don't have the experience, you don't have good mentors in your life or yeah. the, the outlets, you don't know how to go about it. Right. You know, whether it's your friends gangbanging yeah. or it was me just acting like a fool, trying to get attention by doing bad things, illegal mm-hmm. things, being the jackass of the situation. Um, now I have a lot of regrets, but sure. I wouldn't be the person sitting here with you today if I wasn't that jackass making yeah. all those regrets. Same thing. I say that all the time. Like people are like, Oh my gosh, you've come so far. I'm like, I've come a lot further than you even know. Like, yeah. you know, seen the surface. I tell people like I've survived things that would kill most people. And I'm blessed to have yes. come through that man, because 
it almost did kill me. We talked about it. Like, I don't know how your finances aren't killing you. Like, again, I, I know I have a poor relationship with money, but how do you keep the lights on? Like, how are you able to do 10,000? Right. I, I mean, and, and pass up $1.8 million in your career so far. And that's just the bottom number. That's mm -hmm. not the, it, that, there's so much more oh, yeah. money involved into that yeah. <laughs> between the merch and the tips and just all the other stuff that comes with business. Yeah. Like, how, dude? <laughs> I, you know, I'll tell you, when, when I got this calling, I was, I had found faith. I went to Haiti. I was doing all this outreach stuff and cutting grass for elderly people. It's like, whatever stuff I could I do, do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it felt, it felt good, all right. honestly. And that's why I was doing it. But I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, this is all cool stuff. This is all nice stuff to do. And it helps people. And it's cool. But like, what the hell am I here for? Why am I here? And I prayed about it a long time. And it was go do what you love to do more than anything and do it for free. Mm. And I was like, okay. Still the same thing. Bet. Bastard. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> all right, cool. And this, you know, the, this, and I told, I prayed, and this is probably where I messed up. I prayed and I said, God, don't ever give me excess money. Just give me enough to keep doing what you want me to do. Oh, yeah. Because I've seen me with money and it pulls me. Money like that pulls me away from God. Yes. Right? Yes. And like just, you know what? I just want to pay my bills, go to a Cubs game once in a while. Like I just want to chill, go to a Sox game and pay my bills and, and I'll be happy and eat. And, and that's what you provide. That's where I'm at. You know, before we get into how you how people can donate and how the donations have helped you keep, you know, this going, isn't it crazy that you have to be very careful what you ask God? Yes. And how you ask God because prayers are answered. Yeah, Whether it, it happens that day right. or when you feel like you need it, your prayers are answered. And I've learned the hard way yeah. to be very careful what you pray for. Let's say that you're going through a tough time in life and you're having, maybe you're triggered by anger really quick. And mm. you just go, Heavenly Father, please help me with my anger. Please, please help me figure out how to handle anger so I don't act like this or feel like this or hurt people when I'm hurt. Right. What I didn't realize as a young man was God was going to test me. God mm. was going to put me in situations endlessly to teach me the lesson so I can adapt to that. Yeah. So I no longer have those emotions and those feelings. So we're now, I will, I will catch myself, man, in a prayer before bed and I'll start praying for something. Like, oh, nope, 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 no. nope. Let me rephrase that. Yeah. I wasn't done saying, I didn't hit, there wasn't my final answer. Yeah. It's, you know, because he, it, it, it does happen. He does uh -huh. answer, but it, sometimes it's the, it's even harder for you for a while. And whether it's God or it's the universe, you put stuff out there, it yeah. does answer you. Well, and that goes back to the whole talk we were having about, you know, if God's so great, why is why am I going through this shit? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you prayed for it. You did, yeah. You know? And <laughs> and he's gonna use that as some as a teaching method. Like, I'm gonna teach you how to get through this. And and, and then if you think outside of yourself, when he's teaching you, or again, if you don't believe in God, if, mm -hmm. when you're being taught by the universe or with your life. You're also teaching others with your actions. 100%. And, you know, like, I feel like my dad's my hero. And I've talked about my dad being not, not there or mm -hmm. this or that. My dad gave me a cousin brother. He had sex yeah. with his brother's wife. That's a true story. Yeah. But my dad is a, my hero. And because he lived through all the things to become the person that he is yeah. now. And it's so crazy. My dad has this saying. He goes, I don't even know who I am. I'm just little bits and pieces of everything I've ever experienced or mm. every girl I've ever been married to. Yeah. He's got a lot of marriages under his belt. Yeah. And I kind of find that to be so true. No, it is. It's like, dude, we're, we, we are what we take in. Yep. 
but it's always tough and it's up to us to continue it. Yeah. So like when you wake up in the morning, I'm sure when you first started this new life, it wasn't easy to wake up and be a different person. Right. You had to change your atmosphere, you had to change your mentality, and you had to change your routines. Yeah, absolutely. And so... And I still do to this day. I still fine-tune that every single day. Okay, so all these... That, that's really important to talk about. So yeah. all these years later, you've made the right decisions. And of yeah. course, life is life. You're going to sure. backslide when you, when you need to. Yep. Um, but you're still not struggling. You're still working towards it. Absolutely, because it's all about this. <clears throat> God deserves better. Yeah. Right? And I'll have days where I'm like off. And I feel it, and I'm like praying through it. I'm like, man, why do I? Why am I feeling like this right now? I need to, I need to change this. This is not good. And I'll get through it, but it's it's about being mindful of it, and you know, just recognizing kind of the triggers that take you back to a place you don't want to be. So it's it's about fine tuning it every single day. You're never gonna get it 100 percent right, so stop beating the shit out of yourself for for not being perfect. Yeah. Again, just try to be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. And it, and even if you're not, if you're having one of those days where you're not, I think it's really important to allow yourself to have that moment. Recognize it. Yeah. Don't get comfortable in being that person or back allowing yourself to backslide and lose momentum forward. But it's okay to have a bad day. Yeah, absolutely. That, bad days. Everybody happen. does. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean the right. universe is out to shit on you. It doesn't yep. mean you're not doing the right thing. It just means. Today is not your day. Right. Accept it. That's okay. Don't piss it away. Right. You know, don't start making mistakes. Right. That are going to make it don't harder for tomorrow. Don't add to the problem. Don't add. Well, that's hard for addicts. <laughs> yeah. That's hard for people like me who have suffered with like drugs. Right. Or alcohol who, when they feel like fighting is not going to get us out of this, we go back to what's comfortable. Sure. And it's the drugs, alcohol, or maybe the bad people in our lives. Yeah. And it's really inspiring to hear you say that something you have to work on every day. Yeah. Is, is there something you tell yourself or something that you pray that maybe you could share with us that maybe we could use? I look at it, I look at my day in this easy, very simple way. You're going a path and there's a fork in the road. You could be an idiot <laughs> or you could live right. Yeah. Which one are you going to do? And it's about being mindful of your decision. Some people will be like, I, I just, I don't know how this happened. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. You do. You made, a, you made a choice. You have choices you can make, and you made the wrong choice that day. And you know what? That's okay. Because you can go in reverse, you can go back down the right path. Right. It's all good. Don't beat yourself up for having that bad day and making a mistake. Be mindful of it so it doesn't happen over and over and over again. Right. You ever find yourself on a road trip or in a place you've never been before, and then you find that you're driving in the wrong direction? Oh, yeah. So what do you do? Do you, do you turn around, or yeah. do you just drive seven more hours nope. in the wrong direction? Turn around. You turn around, and... and and it's okay to not recognize it yeah. until you're that, that seven extra miles right. or seven extra hours out. But at some point, you're going to have to realize, I need to turn around to get back to the direction I'm supposed to be heading. Mm -hmm. And sometimes life veers us and it takes us down these roads or we start to take control of our own life. Right. And we go, nope, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Rather than just taking a second to let life help you out. Because mm -hmm. we're always forcing things. But if you yeah. just take a second, and it's tough, especially for me, you know, um, I'm, I'm a very, I need instant gratification Yep. and I try to remind myself things aren't going to happen like that. But if I just sit, listen, holy crap, everything's going to be fine. Right. You know, um, but you're right. It is based on bad decisions and, or decisions life is. And 
allow yourself to fucking make those mistakes. Yeah. Take those shits on the day. Be the person you're not supposed to be so you can recognize it. Because what I really love are those moments where I go, that's not me. Holy yeah. shit. And then I have this little self-pride thing. I don't know if you've ever had this. Oh, yeah. Where you go, oh, you're changing. Yeah. Like, oh, I get like, go get it like a chihuahua in a rainstorm. <laughs> I'm just like, bro, I'm shaking. I'm so right. kind of excited. Um, but we've kind of beat around the bush with this. And I, I really want to dive into this. How do you keep the lights on? How do you do 10,000 of these tattoos where you help change people's lives, cover up their gang tattoos or some of their self-injuring scars? Sure. How, how do people donate and how do the donations even start from the beginning? So people can donate a couple of different ways. They can go to our website, ink180.com. There's a donate button right there. 100% of donations go to the work. Which is very rare. Yeah. I make all my personal money from doing regular tattoo work. Okay. Right? My wife does piercings. Um, people can come into the shop. I get people that come in the shop from all over the country. I had somebody come a few years ago from New Zealand. Rad. Because they wanted to see and kind of feel um, yeah. everything that goes on, you know? Because... People follow us on social media and they're like, oh, I, I want to see that like in person. Like the tree behind it. Those are all handprints from sex trafficking survivors. I keep, okay, because I keep being drawn to that. Yeah. And we're having a conversation and I'll show a picture of this, but it is a tree. And as the leaves, I would say, they're yeah. all just handprints and different colors, paints. Yeah. And then it looks like there's messages. Yeah. They've, survivors. Some of them have written messages and stuff. And Ah, oh, that's so heavy. It's super heavy. Um, some of those are man hands. Yeah. We've had male survivors. Okay. We'll, let's put a pen in that because mm -hmm. there is a stigma that I think I oh, have spread. Oh, that, big time. That, that my, nobody wants my booty. <laughs> no, it's... I mean, I've there's a lot of it. The years. There's a lot of it. And there's actually... There's organizations in Chicago that strictly help male survivors wow. because there's such a stigma to it. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, people around the world will just contact you. Yeah. They're curious. They hear about it from word of mouth or maybe yep. they see it on the internet. Um, and then they donate through your website? Through the website, ink180.com, or people come in, they mail us, you know, mail us a donation, whatever. But my thing, it's funny, I get people that call and they're like, you know, I, I've followed you for a long time, I'm going to be in town, but, you know, I'm not really a tattoo person, can I still come in? Hell yeah, come on in. I want to yeah. meet you, I want to talk, you know, I want to show you, you know, show you the shop. Because <laughs> it's one thing to follow it on social media, it's a totally different thing to be here in person and yeah. Be able to touch that tree and put your hand on those handprints. And That's powerful. Read those messages and stuff. It makes it really real to people. This isn't the average tattoo shop. It's not no. the shop that you drive by and you're kind of scared to go in or you feel like you're going to be judged or right. the coolest kids work there. Or, right. You know, there's no there's no judgment. I've been in many tattoo shops sure. where that is the vibe. Yep. This is a very like family welcoming vibe. And then the fact that you didn't even tell me what that tree meant that's been sitting in front of me for hours now. Yeah. But I felt some weird, not weird presence, but I felt a powerful presence from it. Yeah. And it's a tree. And again, I'll take a photo of it. But there's a ribbon on the very bottom of it that says freedom. Yeah. And from the freaking roots all the way to the top branch, there's handprints. Yeah. And the coolest thing about that, the freedom tree is on, wow. it's on a piece of canvas. It's not just on the wall. Oh. So it's actually almost at the point where it's, where we consider it to be full. Yeah. So we're actually going to take it off the wall, move it up forward in the middle section of the shop and start a fresh one. And uh, that's beautiful. You know, those handprints wow. are souls that are beautiful and yeah. they've been through absolute hell on earth. And to um, be able to sit with them and hear their heart and hear their story uh, and what they want to do in the future, that's the coolest part. It's not, 
like I, I think about what they've gone through. Yeah. And I try and put my sp- myself in that place, which is impossible. I'm like, how would I react? Let's say I was trafficked. I got out of it. I was free of it. How would I live the rest of my life? I think I'd go live in a cabin in the woods, like completely cut off from the world. Yeah. Most of the time, what they want to do is they want to go to school and be a caseworker yeah, or a social don't. worker, or, you know, they want to go into the schools and educate kids about sex trafficking or whatever it is that they came through. And there's just a lot of hope that comes from that. Yeah, we all need hope. Yeah. And that's what I see right there. I see a lot of hope. And it's interesting. Last night I was watching Forensic Files to fall yeah. asleep. And there was a rape survivor. Somebody survived one of the murderers. Uh-huh. And she was talking She was talking about how it changed her life forever. And I was sitting there watching it and just like, how does she live? Right. Because I, maybe I'm weak or have been weak to where I have let small things. I have never had a situation like that happen right. before. But I've let little things make me feel like I don't have a purpose in life. I'm not worthy of anything. Um, I'm a piece of crap. But yet there's people who have experienced some of the worst things in life and they have the most hope and the most faith. And there's so much power with that. And thank you for sharing that message with this because I think that you opened up a whole new door that I didn't even think about was how much of their future they're looking forward to and how much like, Faith they have in it. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's really inspiring as I'm looking at it because the handprints aren't perfect. Some of them are perfect. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, so like how often do, do, do donations come in? And when donations come in, are you able to call somebody who needs help? Or are you, do you have to turn people away because you don't have the donations? I've never had to turn anyone away. Okay. Which is a huge blessing in itself. I've had times like these where I'm in pretty sketchy territory with funding, right? Yeah. And there's been some times where I've called some people and they've been incredible and have been like, okay, well, we're going to sponsor the next 10 cover-ups. Oh, sick. In fact, today, I, I've i been praying about it and thinking about it because since the pandemic, funding for all nonprofits has been in the tank. Like, we work with a lot of organizations in the past that are no longer working because they couldn't fund it. Uh, when the pandemic hit, a lot of churches shut funding down. Like we used to have 30 churches that would send us a donation every month. And now it's like three. Oh, wow. Right. Um, I came, I've been praying about like, how can I encourage people? This sound of freedom movie came out and I'm getting a lot of calls. People like, I want to do something. So what I did was I took a picture. I have a, a, I always take pictures when survivors add their handprints. Of course, it's a picture from the back, so their face right. is not in it. Right? Yeah. Keep their anonymity. In and yet place. people would still say that guy has Down syndrome, but anyway. <laughs> right. Well, they <laughs> um, put their handprint up there. So I took a picture. And I thought about it. I was like, how can we make this tangible for people, real for people? How can we get people to sponsor a cover-up? I broke it down in supply costs. On average, it costs us about 40 bucks to do a cover-up, and that includes the aftercare kit that I send them with, right? So I took this picture and I went on freaking Vistaprint and I made these cards. And that's one of the things the UPS guy just brought. They just got here. And on the front, it's got this picture. And on the back, it said, it says, um, your cover-up was sponsored by blank. Oh, that's really cool. So if people donate 40 bucks, essentially they're covering the cost of your cover-up. So wow, when they donate, I'll email that person and say, hey, do you have a message you want to convey to this person? They'll send it to us. We'll handwrite it on this card. Wow! And give it to the survivor. Like, hey, 
Here's a person you'll never meet that cared enough to pay for your cover-up. You're loved. Like somebody loved you besides just us, right? And give that to them. And then in turn, what I'll do, I'll have every one of those cards that we get a sponsor for, I'll put their, their uh, email on the post-it note on it. So when I give that card to the survivor, I can then email the person who sponsored it and be like, hey, here, this girl, I can't, I can't tell them everything, obviously. Can, can you show them a but, photo? Um, sometimes okay. I can. If it's a closed case, I can. But yeah. if the case is still open, I can't for legal reasons. Again, more to the story uh, I didn't even think about. Yeah. Um, but then I can email the, the sponsor and be like, hey, it was a 19-year-old girl. She was trafficked for this many years. Kind of, Here's a little bit of what I can tell you. How cool is that? Just to give them, like, not just, you didn't just donate and you never hear how it gets yeah. used. Like, here's a tangible way. So, I love that. Because a lot of times you go to Wendy's and you donate money or wherever you're at yeah. with the bank. Yeah. And you donate money and it's like, for the kids. Yeah. You never, you see the little kids smiling. Right. But you don't know where your money's going yeah. and that you're doing it kind of to your heart, hoping it gets to those people. And that's really cool because I think what that does is, that gives you peace. Yep. And and also, I feel like humans need closure. It is things. a closure piece, 100%. And whether you're someone who's suffered in the past, you're probably donating because of mm -hmm. you feel a certain way and God has blessed you or life has blessed you. Yeah. Now you're paying it forward. And having that in return to go, I okay, this, this is what it did for somebody. Here's kind of what they were going through. That would help me get closure with what I was going through. Right. Because that's almost exactly like how... I talked about your shop many years ago. Yeah. Never made in you. Never really. I just saw it on WGN. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa whatever's on the TV right now. We have to talk about this. is sick. Yeah. We had plans. We weren't supposed to talk about it. Probably get into a segment. Yeah. And, you know, to, to have that impact on you. Yeah. And it's really beautiful that you're having that impact on others because you don't always get to see it. Right. And I love that you're helping people see it. Yeah. Because that is, that shows you the beauty and connection. It shows you the beauty in human beings. Yeah. And if you look at it, to the average person, let's say the the average middle class white person in Chicagoland. Yeah. What's forty bucks to them? Nothing. 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 Oh, they that, that in a day, like, dude. That's a hamburger. Pocket money. It's Chicago. Know? Yeah. yeah. So to say, hey, your yeah. forty dollars can actually do this, and I'm gonna make this real for you, and I'm gonna give you feedback on how you touch this person's life with forty bucks. Forty bucks. You know. So you can't feed a family of two for forty bucks. You can't. But you can change someone's forever for forty dollars. You can never take away someone's past, but you can make it so they're not reminded and haunted by it yeah. every single day for $40. Right. Okay, so, but really what's the number though? Like mm -hmm. let's really break it down. Yes, it's $40 worth of materials, okay? Right. But if you wanted to make a living, you want to continue to provide and do keep this going for a long time, what, what does it really cost for you to do a tattoo? So on average, the average cover-up, if I was doing it and being paid for it, yes. Probably three fifty to four hundred fifty bucks. Okay, because so they're pretty good size usually. Some are obviously way more than that, like the guy's back piece I was telling you yeah. about. Yeah, couple thousand. Yes, if I was being paid for it. Um, but the thing is, yeah, and I've had my there's board members that are like, you know, you could get to a point where you could get corporate people to sponsor this and get to a point where you could draw a salary. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to draw a salary from the nonprofit ever. I'll make my money doing regular tattoos, and that's fine. Yeah. But right now, it's about 80% of what I do is the nonprofit. 20% is regular paid business. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to explain. I understand it completely in my head. Right. But to help under pe other people ex uh, understand, like, how is he doing this? Why is he doing this? This is ridiculous. I've had other tattoo artists get really shitty with me. 
you're like, you're taking money out of our plate. You're, you know, we could be making money. I get that, but the people I'm helping don't have it. So are you the only artist out of the shop? Yeah, I have an apprentice who works um, four days a week right now. She's learning. Okay. And then my wife does piercings and stuff. She's had surgery, so she's out a little bit. So your apprentice, does the people you bring in have the same kind of mentality, the same kind of heart yeah. and outlook and goal with tattoos and stuff? Yeah, Megan came to me and um, because of you know she saw what we do and she wanted to learn how to tattoo. And she's like, this is where I feel would be best for me to learn. And for me... I'm all about having female apprentices. I don't think there's enough female artists in the industry, although it's gotten better. Um, it's not where it should be. And there's some amazing female artists out there. Yeah. And selfishly, doing the work that we do, you know, a lot of times, sex trafficking, for example, we'll get a, a young woman who has a branding tattoo on her backside or breast or whatever. And to have a female artist be able to do that cover-up for them is always going to make them much more comfortable. So, Especially from what they've been through? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I, I tell survivors every time they come in here, in fact, I got another one tomorrow. It's like, look, I, I know I look scary, but I promise I'm here. And one of my yeah. things is I always require for sex trafficking, especially, they can't just come alone. They have to, their um, counselor, their caseworker, therapist, whatever, has to come with them. And I do that for two reasons. They almost always have PTSD. And if they have a trigger episode, I want a professional here with them that can help, that they have a relationship with, yeah. to help manage them through that. Um, but also, it protects me because I'm 6'5", covered in tattoos. Big dude. I don't look like the nicest guy on the block. Yeah. And I don't want to put myself in a position or my staff in a position where somebody can say, oh, he said this or, you know, he said he wanted me to do this or whatever. So yeah. it's good for both of us. Smart. So yeah, you gotta. They put a lot of thought into this, and over the years, well, I've learned a lot. Experience. Yeah, I learn stuff every day, you know, and that's mm -hmm. the other joy of this is, I learn things new about you know the different people groups that we help. I learn different things about that, so I can help others in a better way in the future. Yeah. Um, but it also, you know, I'm I'm just a very curious person. I always want to learn about what's going on in the world. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued on how you're not constantly asking for money. You're not I'm asking. Horrible at it. Well, it's 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 also a little inspiring, um, but I think you could get better at it. I think there's some middle ground. Well, I definitely need to get better at it. I'm not good at it at all. Well, I I think maybe you're putting too much faith in what you're doing mm -hmm. that it'll get out there, and it, and it will get out there. But there's in the meantime, there's so many people who need the help, and mm -hmm. and you need the help. Yeah, and I. In a perfect world, I would want a guy like you to not. I know, I know that the the one eighty, and I keep going back to it. And that's my own personal problem. That's not yours. It's not you stressing about it. It's me. Right, right. But it's. I would want the guy who's changing my life to be in a comfortable situation as well. Sure. Um, and so, like, do you take any of the hourly money? Like, if I was, let's say that, let's say someone donated three hundred dollars today, like right now, does that money really go into? all the tattoos, 100%. or do you ever just pay yourself for the day so you can feed the family to get Wendy's on the way home or something? No, because I do regular tattoos every day. Okay, okay, good. So okay. I'll, be able to, I'll be able to make that work or get gas or whatever. Yeah. No, my thing is um, the, the agreement I had with, you know, with God when I did this <laughs> is like 100% of everything that comes in goes directly to do the work that we do. Wow, you're, you're changing a lot of lives, and I hope that 
some of the people that you've helped and that have had you the experience of being here with you have went on to speak about you and to speak about this amazing facility and what you do because it's not common that this happens yeah and Again, the people who do do this kind of stuff scream from the rooftops, I'm doing something good. Come take a look at me. Right. Give me all the funding. And then they, they have this big, beautiful place, and they live in this huge mansion, and they yeah. drive a Bentley, and they're, it's all fake. It's right. all based off of this persona, and you're the exact opposite yeah. to where you're wearing sweats and a cutoff shirt right now. Yeah. And <clears throat> you should be wearing a suit. You should be dressed like Conor McGregor <laughs> Greger wearing, fuck you, yeah. pinstripes. I mean, because what you're doing in the world... So the, there's the website that people can mail. Yep. Um, it's ink180.com. Yeah. Uh, is there any other way people can reach out and, and like donate? Uh, people can email me. My email is just Chris, traditional spelling, C-H-R-I-S, at ink180.com. You have the whitest name. Give us, I know. Yeah, Chris Seriously, Baker? Right? Yeah. Like, bro. Yeah. Well, my street name back home was Ghost. So Ghost. it doesn't get much whiter than that. Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what if they come in and get a tattoo? Is there something... Yeah. Do you tell people what you do? Yeah. The thing is, people that come in here for regular tattoos, yeah. usually they come here because we do that okay. work. And they followed Good. us for a period of time or a friend told them about it. And they're like, well, shoot, man. Like, I know that my money is going towards helping this guy who does this work. I'm like, that's cool. You know? Um, cool. So we do that. And, they, you know, if I speak in churches, sometimes they'll kick us a donation for the ministry, too. And it's... It's interesting. It's always it's always an interesting ride. Yeah. So uh, you've been through a lot. Yeah. If you could pick where you go next. Cuz we're going you're going to continue doing this. Yeah. I mean, you've proven it. I mean, it's this is a beautiful thing. But if you could add something to this to make a bigger impact. Let's it doesn't have to be money. Let's yeah. say that I have all the answers. Let's mm -hmm. say I have Everything that you need to get your dreams to get this to be a bigger thing. What would you ask me for? I'm your genie. But you only have like two wishes. That elaborate shit was fake. There's not three. The first thing <laughs> I would want to do, and I do this some now, but I would love to do it more, is to be able to put um, tattoo removal services in all the jails and prisons. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. To help people yeah. because the get, way, out. well, the way it is now, like, you know, it's great. They come out and all the prisons and jails in Illinois have our info. So they give it people when they're released, they get like a pack of envelope of info. Kind of like so we have phone number on a truck or something. Well, we have like brochures. <laughs> yeah. Right. We have brochures. It's like, hey, if you need tattoo okay. removal, like call, here's how to It's a pretty it. good place to advertise. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and plus I go in there. So I always tell them, hey, look, when you're coming up on release, you're going to get info. But I'll get letters and drawings and stuff like that. Marvel drawing up there in the wood frame. That's yeah. from a prison uh, inmate in Texas that I met wow. a few years ago down in Houston. I was speaking. So do they, do they ever come out of jail or prison and go, hey, I want to work here? Oh, yeah. I've had that, too. And you're like, fuck, and man. The, well, I would. Here's the thing. A lot of, there's a lot of great artists in prison. The, the thing is, and the fact, and this sucks, I've been working on this. So I work with FBI, Homeland Security, U.S. Attorney's Office, the State Department, D.C. And when you do, you scream from the, the yard so everyone knows you're not snitching. No, they're cool. They're, <laughs> they're pretty low too. But the thing is, like, to, to work with those organizations, you have to be able to pass a background check. Yeah. Which took me about a year because I had to get taken care of all the known associate crap. Of course. Yeah. Right. So would I love to have somebody come in and work that was in print? Hell yeah, I would. And of course, I'd have to get to know them and yeah, kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. all that and kind of vet it out. But um, 
those organizations aren't as quick to look past the past as I am. Which you think they should be. They should be, but... Okay, so tattoo shops in prisons and jails. Yeah. I, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Because I would love to have people be able to leave there and go get a job. Yeah. You know, not have to look over their back all the time. Um, the other thing is, too, on, and, and we do this, too. We go into the schools and we speak and we do that for free. Like, I want the school system, like, you hear all these people, and I'm not going to get into a whole thing, but you got people out there screaming from the rooftops, oh, they're teaching this to our kids in schools. They're, they're grooming yes. our kids and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, trans clowns making animal balloons. Oh, it's such crap, Balloon right? animals. Sucks, yeah. yeah, it's it's a mess. What I want is, I want for our kids to really learn about the reality of the world, what's going on, sex trafficking. Little kids are being targeted through social media. Yeah, without knowing. You know? So we need, to, we need to do a bunch of things. We need to teach our kids and our parents about social media. Yeah. Because I get a lot of parents that are like, oh, I'm just not going to get my kid a phone until they're 18. Well, that's not the answer. Because they still have access to all the stuff that you don't want them to have access to. And they're going to go twice as hard on it because right. you've prevented them from having it. Right. Well, we teach these social media safety classes, me and my daughter. And I'll get parents that'll call and like, hey, I saw you're having a class. I want to register my daughter or my son, whatever. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but you need to be there too. Yeah, it's like training a dog. The yeah. owner has to be there. Well, and the thing that we talk about in these classes is it's, it's important to teach our kids, to educate them, to open their eyes to stuff. But more than anything, we're, we're teaching you as a parent how to react when your son or your daughter brings you your, their phone and says, hey, somebody just sent me this nude and I'm 12 years old. Yeah. And they want to meet me. And it's dad. You need to learn how to create an environment. Yeah. You need to learn how to create an environment. I forgot where, where I was. That's not a funny joke. <laughs> no, here. no, but that, <laughs> that's, that's so a part of this up. too. So much Why trafficking. So much, tra <laughs> so much trafficking is within families. I was trying to break up a it happens, moment, man. man. And so we're trying to teach parents, like, how do you create an environment where your kids feel comfortable yeah. and trust you enough to know that, hey, if I bring you something sketchy, that you're not going to freak out and ground me, you know, or punish me for it. Right. Um, See, I was so, opposite. My mom used to meet all of her men on Yahoo chat. Yeah. Dead ass. No way. My mom's screen name was White Babe 69 <laughs> Yeah. Jeez. I know. It wasn't until after she died that I realized yeah. she was born in 1969. <laughs> she wasn't just being super dirty on dirty, the internet. Right. But I learned that it was okay to meet people on the internet. And yeah. And this was way back in the day. This is before 9-11, before it, the airports changed. Right. And a lot of people don't know that you used to be able to walk all the way to the oh, airport yeah. without having a ticket. Mm -hmm. So what my mom would do is she'd meet dudes on the internet. We would show up to the gate. We'd be hiding. They would walk out of the terminal. Yeah. My mom would see them. She would determine whether she likes them or not and would dip. No we way. left so many dudes at SeaTac Airport. No oh, yeah. And so, so you're right. It's very important to set up an environment to where your kids know that you're going to react in a certain way and yeah. that they can trust you with that stuff, but also lead by example. Yes. Because because my mom did that and met men that way, my little sisters did that, and they put themselves mm -hmm. in very dangerous situations. Yep. And some bad things happened in the family yeah. due to those unsafe people who they didn't know over the internet coming in. Sure. So if you're a parent out there and you're always on your phone, your kids are watching you and they're going oh, to yeah. mimic that same behavior. And if you're meeting people on the internet and you're not describing the safety procedures that you're taking, you're doing to keep the family safe and yourself safe, your kids are going to copy that. Right. And so I think leading by example is a strong point. Now, what about 
you teach them to control? Because you seem like a guy that doesn't really need control. Oh. And so when you're talking about social media, did yeah. I read you wrong? Oh, Are I you a control always, freak? Well, oh, control on my kids and what they're doing? Yeah. No, no. Um, I try to, here's my thing. I always tell my kids, look, I'm not telling you, my daughter, my oldest daughter is 25 now. Mackenzie used to get so pissed when she'd come to me and go, Dad, all my friends are taking the train up to North Avenue Beach this weekend. Can I go? Like, hell no, you can't go. Yeah. What are you talking about? Why can't I go? They're, all their parents are cool, and their parents are going to let them go. I'm like, oh, yeah. The well, their parents are going to call me when their kid's missing, and they need FBI to help find their missing kid. Right. Now that my kids are a little bit older, they understand it because they've seen, they've been in here when I've had survivors talking about stuff or at events where I've spoken, and there have been survivors, and they tell their story. Um, so that was a hard thing to do because I was a control freak for a lot of years with them, like, because of your trying fear. to protect you, yeah. Things that you've seen, things that you've experienced here, things that you lived through in your own life yeah. in L.A. Right. But now I'm at a point, you know, my kids are 25, 21, and 18. They're adults. I can't control anything. Yeah. Anyway, all I can do now is trust that I've armed them with the right information mm -hmm. and that I trust them. I, I've always, always stressed to my kids, look, I trust you. It's everybody else out there that I don't trust. Right. Um, it was never about them being worried that, oh, you're going to make a bad decision because you're not smart enough to do it. That's never been. And I think that something that kids don't really understand or digest when they're young is that when your parents say no, like when you said no to your daughter doing that, we see you as a bad guy and you're preventing us from living the life that we want to live. And we right. feel like you are controlling us. What we don't really realize at the time being is it hurt you to say no oh, yeah. because you wanted your daughter to go, go have fun, be with a group of friends. You know what it feels like to be left out of situations, fun times, have mm -hmm. FOMO. And all you want as a parent, when you love your kid or as someone you love is for them to live their best life. Yeah. And so even though now your kid's mad at you and they may be in their bedroom like, fuck dad, dad's a bastard. He, yeah. he hates me. You, you know, screw him. I can't wait to move out of here. Right. You're really in the living room sitting on the couch going, fuck, I wish we didn't live in this world where I had to be like yeah. this because I want her to go there. Should I go in the car and go with them? Right. You know, like, no, I'm going to stay and do it. Or do I, do I just get weak this time and let her go? You know, so you're in there battling yourself. And yeah. I feel like human beings are always so trapped in how their life is being affected that they don't realize that there's a lot of thought and a lot of feelings from other people's decisions as well. Yeah. And I'm sure your daughter, looking back at 25, she goes, hey, thanks, man. Yeah. Hey, thank you for that. Oh, we've had that conversation many times. Like, and there have been things, you know, they've, for example, Mackenzie, when she was, I think she was 17 or 18, she wanted to go to Lollapalooza with all of her friends. Yeah. And I was like, man, I've been up there during Lollapalooza. I've seen what these kids were wearing. It's I horrible. know the drugs that are going on, the drinking, everything. Yeah. And I, I got to a point where I was like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you what, you can go, but I'm going to, you and your friends, I'm going to drive you up there and I'll drop you off and then I'll come back up at night and I'll pick you up in this Smart. designated place, right? Yeah. And I'll be, and I, here's what I did, what she didn't know at the time, she knows now, but I would drive them up there at like nine in the morning, drop them off, and then I would just go and park somewhere in the city. Close. Just in case, God forbid, I got a text, Dad, I'm in trouble. The last thing you want to do is be far away. I don't want to be an hour and 30 away yeah. when you're in trouble, right? Wow. And so I would just let's chill. break this down a little bit. So here you are being a, a protective father, being mm. a good father. You're letting your daughter be a kid. Yeah. Live these experiences, but yet you've seen these things. You've now talked to survivors mm. and you know the real world. Yeah. And you're a badass mofo. You've seen it all. 
but yet you've got to let your little girl grow you've up. Got to let them have some freedom. And so you you go, you know what? Yes, I'm gonna drive you, and then you're still you. You're still dad, and you're yeah. still you're still ghost. Yeah. You know, deep down, you're still that's what they call you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we made that face. I go, was that offensive? Was no, it no. Casper? No, um, no, no, no. <laughs> and it's so funny that you're a badass mofo doing something so brave by going outside your comfort zone. The most manly thing you can do is let your daughter do something you're not comfortable with yeah. because now you're at, you have a chance of getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting on the highway, getting back on the Diane Ryan or whatever, you're sitting close just in case she needs help going, I hope she doesn't, but if she doesn't, I'm fucking here. I was two blocks away in a parking garage all day. Your fear kept you there. Yeah. How long did that fear keep you there in your life to where you finally were able to leave the parking garage, go home and have... Have faith that you did a good job, Dad. It took me seeing them make some really good decisions. Yeah. Oh, and I've seen that. You know, it's interesting having adult kids now. Because um, everybody's like, oh, I love when my kids were babies. Or I love when they were <laughs> toddlers or whatever. And yeah, that was all fun and stuff. This right now for me, is, and my wife too, we've talked about this a lot. It's the most rewarding time for us as parents. Because we've seen our kids grow up. We've seen them kind of go down their paths. Their career. My oldest daughter is a hairstylist. My son is a sound engineer. Quinn is going to nursing school. Like, yes. they're very, um, they, all of them are they're just good people. Yeah. They're not perfect, but they're good people. They have good hearts. They look out for people. They look out for their friends, their family. Um, and they make their decisions for the right reasons. So I respect the hell out of my kids for doing that. And that's a decision they've made. They have made it. Yes, yeah. you've raised them that way and you did your job, but yeah. you can raise somebody any way you want. Oh, and it's they up could to be them. an ass, yeah. Yeah, but you also gave them the perspective in life mm -hmm. that they got, like you said, old dad yeah. and new dad. Yep. And so I think that when you're giving that, like my mom was always on welfare. My mom didn't work. My mom, you know, decided to live off the government and live that life, her life. Mm -hmm. But on the other end, my dad, was always at work, yeah. you know, and they were never together. So I had two lives, but I got to sure. see that. And I am such a better person. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that I, I had a shittier life than everybody else. All my yeah. friends and parents were together. They got to go on family vacations, whatever. And I'm stuck freaking, you know, food stamps with my mom. Sure. And, um, and on the other end, my dad is gone all the time, but he makes a little money. And I'm so thankful that I had that opportunity yeah. because I want to be right in the middle. Right. I want to be right in the middle. You said this earlier and I want to rephrase this. And remind people, it's about being present. Yep. It's about living in the moment, not having all this money to throw away and go experience these things. Yeah. <clears throat> but life, life is an experience. And you talked about if you had money, it would bring you further away from God. And you've proven in the past that you make poor decisions mm -hmm. when you have a lot of money or extra money. Yeah. And I think that I could be similar to that. And I think that God is actually protecting me yeah. from making some of those decisions. Um, you know? It's, it's, it's really tough to wake up and do the right thing every single day. Right. Especially when you were in a situation to where the wrong thing was the right thing. Mm -hmm. And then somehow you raise kids to where they're good human beings. And yes, we all have flaws. We all have our ups and our downs, but that's part of being alive or a human. And your kids aren't in prison. Nope. Your kids aren't addicted to anything that they, nope. you know, um, learn from you. Right. You fucking proud of yourself? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I mean, you've been through it, man. And, and you're so humble. And you showed me your $180 in your bank account. Yeah. And here we are sitting here. And, and you're not asking me for anything. You're not, you don't ask anyone for anything. You don't ask anyone for anything. And I, 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 
I want everyone watching this to just let that soak in. That he's able to have this big of an impact on his life, on the people that he's helped lives, his kids' lives, the community's lives, without asking for anything. And he went out there, he just put the work in and then trusted that the hard work would pay off. And since he's not asking, I'm asking to help people out. So I have this little sister who's addicted to heroin. Mm. and no one in the family has seen her for seven or eight years oh, and i enable people in my life mm. um i want to throw money at the problem i want to fix it the last time i saw her we took her kid away from her and it was right before i moved to the midwest from seattle and she was yellow i mean yeah. she looked like she looked like she was on the show arthur mm. and she had track marks and i remember their scars yeah and i remember looking at her scars thinking that that's always going to be an obstacle obstacle for her when she finally does battle this horrible disease that my mom was doing drugs with her. So it's not even yeah. her fucking fault, right? right? And so I have all the anger and all like the frustration. I'm like, God, what the fuck? Right. But then I saw her track marks and I immediately thought there's no ever getting rid of that. Yeah, we cover those a lot. Her teeth are gone. Mm -hmm. Those can be fake. I didn't know you, people like you were out there mm -hmm. who not only do this, but also do this out of the service of their heart or from God. And... It's so cool that that's out there. And I, I pray that, I pray every day for my little sister yeah. when she's ready that she gets the help or she accepts it. And I pray that someone like you is in her life mm -hmm. at some point so they can cover up those scars or I guess she's doing the toes now. Yeah, I had a woman in here two weeks ago. Both of, We did both of her lower legs. Oh. She had track marks up and down both. She was shooting in between her toes, under her toenails. Yeah, dude. And I'm like, bro. And yeah, we covered so it all up. Man. So you're helping everybody do all these things and live a better life. And you're not asking for anything. So this is me asking you that if you have the kindness in your heart, check out his website, ink180.com. Check it out. Go to the Instagram page. Go to the social media page. Show it time. Not asking you for any money. Just asking you for your eyes. Your eyes and your heart. Because the more people that see it, the more energy that is going to be put towards it. And the more that I have faith that the more donations that will come in that will make forever changes. We can all make changes in life. One minute. We can all make changes in life. And sometimes it's hard to be consistent on those changes. Yeah. And this is, you're giving everybody an opportunity to be consistent every single day without having to have this little reminder to bring them back. How many of us have a reminder of, that kind of makes us back, uh, backspin. You know, for me, it could be pot. If I see a freaking, if I smell it, man, I can, be, I can be clean for however long I smell it. Guess what? I'm right back in it. Um, so I need to be in a situation where I can be clean and put myself in a safe situation to be out of that for a long time. And I feel like by you doing the cover-ups and helping people, you make it so they have time to heal. Yeah. You're helping them heal. And I love you for that, man. Thanks, I love bro. you. Thank you for this. Absolutely. You got business to do. Um, Ink180.com. Where can they reach you on Instagram? Uh, Instagram is uh, Ink180Boss. Okay. Where else, where else are you? Facebook is just Ink180. Um, and then we're starting a TikTok presence as well to start doing awesome. the educational piece about all this stuff so. yes and, and reach out to him connect with them have a conversation you know this conversation between him and i started a long time ago and it just this naturally happened and i'm so happy that it did please come by if you're out of town out of the country connect with them you've got to see this you got to feel it it's all about a presence and thank you for being genuine i meet yeah, a lot of sure. people who do nice things for the community mm -hmm. and then you meet them and it's all fake <laughs> it's all fake and it's all based yeah, on a million bad, bad. dollar you know, scheme. So, I love you, dude. Love you too, bro. All right, thank you, man. Thank you. Let's see who's up front here. Yeah, sorry about that, dude. Oh, no, you're good. Hi there. Hi. How are you? Good, I'm your neighbor across 
How are you? Good. 